is the moment UFC fans around the world have been waiting for. It's time! Hello, and welcome to episode 21 of the Red Belt Report, the monthly MMA podcast where we talk about everything going on in the world of mixed martial arts. There it is. I'm your host, Bob Fallon. And I'm the co-host, Brooks Fallon. And it only took me five tries to get that intro correct <laughs> this time. What's up? <laughs> Not much, man. A lot going on in this combat sports world, huh? Yeah, man. We, <laughs> In a perfect world, we need to do this podcast more often because... So much stuff happens, our episodes go close to three hours long. Yeah, right. But we make do with what we got, and we have a lot to work with on this episode. But before yeah. we get into all that, I wanted to just, you know, talk about how I just randomly applied to the new Mixed Martial Arts Journalist Association, the MMAJA, just thinking, eh, what the hell. I write a monthly article for Baltimore Sports and Life. We do this podcast at least once a month doubt that I'll get accepted, but eh, why not? Why not give it a shot? And lo and behold, I was accepted as an auxiliary member. That's awesome. I mean, that's incredible. Yeah, I think I, you're, you're being more modest than should. I mean, you say, I don't know if my writing clinch, your writing is very, very good. I mean, you write very in-depth, nice articles. I mean, this podcast sure is nice and it's cool that we do it, but I think your writing definitely was a big part of it. Oh, thank you, sir. Yeah. I uh, I do enjoy doing it. I wish I could do it more often. I actually, because I was on vacation this past weekend, and I didn't watch the fights live. I had to catch up with them late. I still haven't gotten around to write the post-UFC 213 thoughts column, but I figured now I'll just wait since this Connor Mayweather uh, presser stuff is over with. Maybe I'll incorporate that into it to make up for lost time. But, yeah, I, I don't know. I know I'm not an official, like, full on-board member of the MMAJA, but I think auxiliary means it's for the, the people that, you know, they're up-and-coming, I guess, yeah. journalists. And I can't vote on official association matters, but I can vote on year-end awards, and I'm pretty sure it will help me, like, you know, apply for credentials if they ever come around here, if any organizations come around here. and. Yeah, and since I was surprised to get in, I was telling you, you got to apply. Just, you know, you never know. If I got yes. in, maybe you could. Yeah, and if I, if I were to apply and get accepted, I'm like if Shogun comes around or something, I'm definitely applying for press credentials. Yeah, you should. And um, I don't know how to do that, but I'm sure we'll figure it out. I'm, I'm sure the association is there maybe to even help you figure that stuff out. But, uh, yeah, it'll be really cool. I don't know if I can go to small ones like Shogun just because family – issues and or responsibilities yeah, yeah. but uh yeah that'd be awesome if you could and yeah, if, sure. if we could if ufc say comes to philly or dc or anything like that man we can just cover that shit like crazy absolutely i mean yeah. i hope they're due to come back to baltimore the first one was awesome it was 172 so it's been a while yeah just anywhere in the you know mid-atlantic area and i'm i'm ready yeah for sure i mean i was reading up on the uh mma ja I th like Ariel Hawani is like the head of 
Bowler, I think he, he's one of them. I know, like, Chad Dundas, Ben Folks. Are Mark Bondi's like the treasurer. Yeah. I, yeah, it's really cool. Like, a lot of people that I read and listen to and respect tremendously. So, to just even be thought of in so, anywhere near the same, you know, thing is, like, crazy. And yeah, it's ridiculous. Awesome. But, yeah, it is awesome. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, I mean, one day, maybe, I would love to make it a full-time thing. Don't know if we'll ever get there, but... Keep on keeping Absolutely. on. Absolutely. I mean, I, I think it's possible. You definitely work hard enough, and you're definitely smart enough to do it. Again, uh, sucking kneecaps gets you nowhere in life, but I do appreciate <laughs> it. <laughs> but enough about that. Let's get into the main event. <laughs> the Really, the biggest fight of all time is aired for free online. It's uh, the, the, the press conferences. This whole yeah. press tour for Conor McGregor versus Floyd Mayweather. I mean, we talked about it a lot on our last little mini episode, and I don't think we knew they were doing this uh, world tour at that point. No, I didn't. Yeah, I'm so glad they did. Like, I've been, I haven't been able to watch it all just because of work and all this stuff. But what I've been able to see, it's it's a lot of fun, and I guarantee this will be way more entertaining than August 26th around midnight. Eastern time. Yeah. I, I think this this is the real fight. So we should score each round and uh, see who we thought came on top. Uh, yeah, so before we get into the round-by-round, city-by-city scoring, let's just talk about our thoughts overall uh, on the just the whole idea, concept, execution. What did you think? I mean, this is not an MMA press conference that we're used to. No, it's definitely a different format and like I was telling you, the Dana White, like, embeddeds following him on this. He even talked to Connor about that. Like, this is a boxing press conference. It's different than ours. But, uh, I mean, I liked them. Definitely, I think the first two stops were far better than the last two. I think it just got old saying the same things over and over. I mean, how much can you analyze guys talking for two minutes, five minutes, whatever? Yeah. I mean, there's not, I mean you can't analyze them saying, I'm going to beat you. I'm going to beat you. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. It kind of, yeah, it's super weird. Boxing press conferences suck. No wonder they're dying off and MMA's taking over. I kind of like, like, especially towards the later stops. I mean, Connor was doing all that. Uh, Steven Espinosa, he was hating on him. <laughs> Loved it, yeah. People were drowning him out, basically. And, like, the first two stops, they had, like, the guy that ran the team mobile <laughs> arena, and they had all guys get up and... The crowds were so loud, they just had to shut up and get off the mic. <laughs> yeah, they booed the hell out of that old guy. That was hilarious. And Connor, yeah. you can even hear him saying, what the fuck is this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, the boxing press conferences. I mean, I think it's cra- Connor is incredible. Like, he's just so good at what he does. Best self-promoter maybe of all time. Because I honestly yeah. think just this week alone, I think he just changed the game as far as boxing press conferences. Well, yeah, well, let me add right there that you said that. I think the fact that he's got McGregor Sports Entertainment is, I guess, in association with or promoting too, that is game-changing. And let me repeat myself there. That is game-changing. Things will never be the same. I mean, that is a big deal. What is not there is even, like, more important. I didn't see the three letters, UFC. There's no UFC written there crazy Dana White tried to play that off in an interview backstage like oh this is all ego shit this is boxing this is all ego shit these names here but I mean he's not wrong but (laughs) he's not wrong but 
the UFC is and all that. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think it might be on like the bottom of a poster or something, but yeah, the fact that he got McGregor Sports Entertainment started that. I've never heard of it before this and got it on there with Mayweather Promotions, Showtime, and all that. That is, I mean, I can't say enough how big of a deal that is. Yeah, absolutely. It's pretty huge, and but you here's how I know the UFC is still going to make out fine in this deal because Dana White is just having the time of his life up there. Yeah. It's amazing. Like I, I'm not the biggest Dana White fan, as I'm sure you know, and anyone that listens to this knows. But it's like I was telling uh, my buddy Paul Borges, uh, he's the worst, right? Dana White sucks. Just the stuff he says. He's a liar. You can't believe a word he says. But he's still somehow likable at the same time. Yeah, for sure. I hate him and like him at the same time. And it really showed this week because he's just laughing. When he's so into it, just announcing Connor, getting hyped up. Like, it's just great. I wish this was the Dana White we always got. Yeah, absolutely. And I totally agree with everything you said about him. I mean... I like him and hate him at the same time. It depends on the situation, but he definitely, I mean, McGregor made them a lot of money, and he definitely was a part of that $4.2 billion price tag. I don't know how much of it, but definitely was a part of it. So, I mean, Dana White saw that, he went to bat, and he got this fight for him, which was big. It was, I mean, like you said, they're going to make out nice on him, on the fight too, but, I mean, who else, I mean, who else in the world could have gotten this fight other than Conor McGregor? Yeah, it's crazy. Nobody. If, I mean. By the way, have you seen the T-shirts that Dana White's been wearing? <laughs> Zufa boxing. Yeah, he's basically. I mean, without you know how he just won't answer a question. That basically means yes. It's, they might try to promote boxing fights. Wow. He said not MMA versus boxer, but I think they're gonna maybe try their hand at boxing. I don't know. Interesting. I mean, yeah. I'll give the way it he that. answered in his like. Uh, like, basically didn't answer, which meant basically yes. You know I, mean, I mean, the freaking shirt says a lot in itself, <laughs> right? So, I mean, hey, if I like, look what they did for the sport of MMA. I'd like to see maybe they can help uh, bring boxing back a little bit. I've always liked boxing. It's just, it's so one-dimensional yeah. that it's not, not the same. But high-level fights, I'm in. I don't care, you know, what it is. If it's a high-level fight, I want to watch it. For sure, and it's all combat sports. I mean, I don't know if they feel like they're at a point where if they promote boxing, it won't hurt them. I don't know if that's – I just yeah, don't know how I do, that would work. I do think it's at that point because I think if one thing this fight is going to do, it's going to – like you're even seeing it with Floyd apologizing to Dana for everything he said. and You know, you've really brought uh, MMA and UFC up, and it's a real sport. I was wrong. Like I think this fight – if even if Conor goes out, loses first round knockout somehow, I don't think it's going to hurt MMA at all. I think this this fight alone and having Conor come in and show the boxing world what he's capable of, just promotionally, and yeah. I, I think this pretty much cements MMA as its own thing. And I don't even think it's going to be a debate after this. For sure, and I think also like anybody with any knowledge of fighting sports at all knows that this is a completely different game this doesn't whatever Connor does in that ring on August 26th it does not say anything about MMA right yeah it's just like Connor said and it's completely true or maybe it was or it's a lot of people saying it but uh, 
even Joe Rogan said, if this fight was a, had any other thing allowed, Connor wins hands down. No question. Yeah. Like if they allowed wrestling, if they allowed elbows, if they allowed... Or picks, even modified clinch work. Just, right. Yeah. yeah. Like if this is a fight fight, any kind of fight, your champ champ is going to win. Yeah, <laughs> the champ, champ. I love that. Before we get into st- scoring, I just want to say, like, I think it was the first stop they, like, had both Floyd and Connor sit down and take questions from the media for, like, an extended period of time. I thought they were going to do that at every stop. I don't think they did. No, I think they might have today. They took, like, three questions that oh, were okay. all for Connor, but... Okay. I mean, there were bullshit questions and bullshit answers, but they sat down in, like, an actual press conference format after the, like, backstage of the first stop and took a long, good bit of questions. And I, I enjoyed that more than any of any of this, just from, like, a person yeah. that really, like, wants to hear what is the real deal, you know what I mean? Yeah, but Floyd is in control of this. I mean, you saw it, and we'll kick it off with, with uh, shit, L.A., right? Connor comes yeah. up. He, they don't obviously didn't clue him on anything. Like they announced yeah, him, no, and he's yeah. like, "Oh, uh, I guess I'm just giving some kind of speech or something." <laughs> like yeah. this is different, and I felt he he came out slow, right? And it makes sense because Floyd made that happen, made him stumble in the beginning. But I think he found his footing. But Floyd comes out. You got sound effects. You got background <laughs> music. You got like bits he set up. It's just like this is his world. He he's the A side. He create just like uh, Luke Thomas has been saying all week. Like this is just how it is with Floyd, right? He needs yeah. to be in complete control of everything. Yeah, I mean they had like shit queued up. Where, like when he said a certain thing, they were blast like two seconds of music for it. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's crazy. I I do think though, if they would have done this more, mix the the styles, like do it. Half this and half like a MMA or UFC press conference tour would be. I think it would have been better promotionally. Yeah, for sure. And I think that's why I liked the first stop when they did the actual press conference format after the the whole dog and pony show out front. They brought them into a press room and I enjoyed that more. I mean, I, I get the annex, but it got old quick. Yeah, yeah. Especially Floyd. I mean, I'll just say I gave him a very close round one in LA because 10-9 for Floyd on my books just because he was more prepared obviously uh, Connor was just had no chance the way it was set up and Floyd came with his little material where he his stupid chant that I can't stand hard yeah. work hard work yeah Where's it's funny work? he tried to take those mics today and hand them to his boys so that they could you could hear them but they cut them good <laughs> yeah and that's why he took connor and dana's mic and handed it to his people so that you could hear the other side of the champ but they cut the mics off <laughs> yeah because you know the crowd wasn't chanting back but yeah. it's crazy they cut connor's mic uh in the, the first, first stop, stop yeah and that was just ammo for his arsenal which we'll get to but yeah, yeah so yeah. But floyd i would does agree with thing. you it was 10 9 for floyd probably the first first go around close because, like you said, Connor was un, uh, unprepared. I thought he still did a good job, and it was very entertaining. I mean, me and my dad both watched it, and my dad was loving every second of it. And I was like, after the first, I mean, I agree that Floyd probably won the first one, but after the first one, I was like feeling a little more confident for oh, Connor. Yeah. Like, maybe he will win this fight, but. Yeah, because that's the, 
this thing has worked though. This press tour, like last week, or sometime in the past couple of weeks, this this woman I work with, Tammy, at the post office, she's like, "Whatever, this stupid fight. I don't care. I'm not watching this crap. It's a yeah. joke." And then yesterday, she's like, "Oh my god, I can't wait for this fight to get here." <laughs> like it's definitely working, but. Uh, yeah, uh, Connor. I think that just as soon as they cut his mic and just the way it developed that first that first day, I'm thinking he's coming out next time with fire. There's no doubt in my mind he's going to adapt to to this. He's going to have a better idea what it is, and he's just going to bring it. And that he did because for sure, <laughs> Toronto was awesome. Like that was easily the highlight of this whole entire shebang for me. The crowd was super into it. I loved. Just immediately, he comes out. <laughs> Is this mic work? And he punches the other. And then fuck yeah. this. <laughs> like he just came out on fire. Starts the fuck the Mayweather's chant immediately. Goes oh, after Stephen Espinosa, like you said, just calling him a weasel. And I love that whole rivalry that he kind of created there. Yeah. And uh, the bag thing we talked about. Uh, before we started, like, yeah, Floyd got that uh, Irish flag from the crowd, so he was like, "Yeah, you touch, you do something bad with that flag, and we're going." <laughs> so he grabbed his book bag, and Connor looks in his book bag, and there was like, I don't know, maybe a thousand dollars, and he's like, "That's it." <laughs> yeah, I love it. His voice cracks. It's yeah. it's great. He's that's only five thousand dollars. <laughs> Are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah. And yeah, but Floyd kept saying, give me the bag like he's got a million dollars in it or something. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And uh, he makes that jab about how he's got 50 girls on on uh, on his uh, payroll. payroll. Yeah. And <laughs> what is it called? Girl Collection? Like, oh, my God. What, a strip club? Yeah, called Girl Collection. Was... Ridiculous. I didn't even know he had a strip club. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I don't think – and Floyd was just, like, repeated the same exact thing. Yeah. I mean, he – Yeah, I, I think Connor definitely shined in Toronto, and Floyd basically did the same thing every time with a few different things. But um, I'd say if, I think Connor hands down won at least 10-9 here in Toronto. I, I give him a 10-8 in Toronto yeah. easily. He just destroyed him. And I, Floyd, like, you can see why – even though he stutters and he's scripted and but he still kind of sells it in a way like he's better than I thought he would be yeah I can see why he's always the heel in his fights and and where he got to where where he is yeah for sure I mean when he fought Oscar De La Hoya on Cinco de Mayo and came out in sombrero and <laughs> yeah and I was surprised that he bounced back in New York I mean it's not like I honestly don't think it was really Floyd bounced back so much as Connor slipped, but New York yeah. was a big disappointment. After Toronto, I'm like, oh, this is just going to get better and better. But it's like yeah. they all they wasted all the material in Toronto, and it was just kind of like, all right, what else is there? Yeah. I wish Connor would have saved that Joe Frazier outfit for this one that he had on the 205 press conference. <laughs> yeah. The I, white coat and the red shirt. That's That was like a gimmick from uh, Joe Frazier wore it when he fought Ali but yeah I kind of agree with Ariel though 
he said today like he prefers Connor in this when he's in the suit than when he's in his like rock star mode. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah I, I, I agree with that. Like Connor, he comes out New York in Brooklyn. Well, they're two hours late, right? So yeah. already it's like all right, this better be worth it after making a sweat this long. And it wasn't. Uh, I think Connor made a mistake by addressing the racist allegations on stage. Yeah. Like I think they did it. that's something you do, like in that backstage like uh, thing, the media thing that happened yeah. in the first day, something like that. I mean, I thought it was kind of funny when he said, "Don't they know I'm half black?" Basically, trying to say he's got a big cock. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I laughed, but it just it fell flat, and he should have known better. You know. Yeah. What, what do you think of the whole controversy about him calling him boy? I, I kind of agree with Luke Thomas 100% on this. What did he have to say? He said, no, he does not think that Connor meant it in a racist way at all. Absolutely not. But you kinda have, you're not in Ireland, you're in America, and there's history with that. And you should just be a little bit more aware of that. Which, yeah, I could agree with that. I, don't, I mean, I don't... I guess that's a point to be made, but... I don't know if he needs to be aware of that. Like, what does he have to research the Jim Crow laws and then you can't call somebody boy? Yeah, well, maybe, or at least someone should tell him. You know, hey, maybe not. Well, like you said, he didn't even know the format of these things. And people were going to call him racist for calling Floyd boy. No, it's just trying to belittle him. I mean, I get that that could be taken as racist, but. It's not like he went out there and said, hey, you N word. Like, no, no, no. Yeah, like, I disagree with. Luke Thomas, like, clearly was not meant in that way. So yeah. it's, but, but I don't know if he needs to research how the racist history of this country for a pre- boxing press conference to know that he can't call somebody boy. Like, that's silly. Yeah, that's true. But it was made a big deal. So, yeah, it was. I mean, I didn't really even know about it until he brought it up and then I read about it, but I didn't, like, I didn't give it a second thought. I just, yeah, the re- the m- main reason I think it's a mistake to bring it up is because you got limited time, man. <laughs> like, oh, for sure. I thought him bringing it up and the way he went about it was not good. Yeah, it was it didn't land well. It didn't it didn't come out well. It just there was nothing good about it. I I was like cringing a little bit, but yeah, it just seemed like that's not what people are there to see. You know, yeah, they want to see yeah, you like talk you said, trash. Dress that like, hey, I'm not racist in a formal way, almost, but yeah, not like that. Yeah, exactly. And Floyd, I actually think he was best in Brooklyn. Um, again, not great, n- not at all. But he did have the thing where he showered Connor in ones, which that was, was definitely the highlight. Pretty for me. good. He did the Voltron thing, which was really stupid, but that was at it. least it was a moment, you know. And yeah, I can't really that even the whole warm up guy Dougie Fresh like that was annoying. I skipped past it. <laughs> I was watching I live, watch live, so. Yeah, I was putting my son to bed. I'm laying on the floor watching with headphones in. And I'm like, come on with this. But, uh, yeah, I give Mayweather a 10-9 in New York. Yeah, 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 definitely. I give that to Floyd, 10-9. I, especially for the shower. I mean, it was a good one. Yeah. Especially and, when Connor's getting on him about all the girls and stuff. And he's like, total money on strip. <laughs> it was good. Yeah. But once again, Floyd's got like sound effects for everything he does. Songs pop up out of nowhere. He's like, got his stupid like meathead bodyguards. That was retarded. I mean, yeah. 
That is crazy. But, uh, yeah. I think that also kind of – that was a good point for Connor in this next coming up one. Yeah, the one in London. He definitely <laughs> brings that up. And Connor rebounded nicely, I thought. I thought this was like his second best performance was in London. They had the boxing ring set up. I mean, clearly this is the one he was going to win no matter what. It's in London, basically his yeah. home crowd. And he, he was, came out, got in the ring, did the ollie shuffle real quick around. And... Yeah, he made his point. I mean, he, he he did his thing, and it was a hell of a fun to watch. I love he rubbed Mayweather's head. <laughs> that was funny. I like how the part I was laughing at the most was when he said, Man, I tried to flip your hat off yesterday. What you, was that thing super glued to your head? Yeah. <laughs> that was funny. Uh, yeah, I actually I didn't mean, get he, it. He had a little standoff with Stephen Espinosa, even. Yeah, he said, "What are you gonna do? Stand up. What are you gonna do?" Yeah, yeah I didn't get a chance to see Floyd's uh, part in uh, today's, but I did hear about him calling it was awful. Calling uh, Connor a, excuse my language, a faggot, which was a, I mean, stupid, huge mistake, embarrassing. It was, it was bad, but it was kind of like, I think he wasn't even thinking it was like, he was, he called him like a bitch, faggot, blah, 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 like all in a row. I don't even know if he even was, he wasn't even thinking. I think it was just something that just came out in the heat of the moment. It wasn't like. Kind of makes it worse because that probably means that's just something he says a lot. Yeah, I suppose. I definitely don't think you should have said it by any means. I don't like the word. I don't like... It's just an ugly word. I yeah. mean, it really is. Yeah, it is. I don't care what your stance on anything is. I hate that word. But, yeah, agreed. And, um, but yeah, I'm sure... I heard he embarrassed himself even more, doing the same old thing. Yeah, but I mean, it was like Connor's place. I mean, it's London. He clearly won. I mean, the crowd was loud. I mean, the crowd was so loud at some points that the cameras were shaking. Yeah, It was that's crazy. crazy. I was... But... I mean, Connor like came out and did his thing, and I mean, he rubbed Floyd's head and all. And Dana, like, he was ready to freak out as soon as he touched Floyd. He's like, "You better not do that." But, <laughs> yeah. But I mean, Connor like kept it short and sweet. It was like, five minutes maybe or something. But Floyd just, I mean, he dragged on and dragged on. He was, I mean, two minutes for not talking, just walking around. I guess thinking. I don't know, but. Yeah, like I said, like, Connor even brought up, he was like, this guy said, Voltron, blah, blah, stand up. With Power Rangers. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was all hilarious. Yeah. But, yeah, cool. I mean, Floyd just dragged on and dragged on. And he even tried to say, give me the bag. And they didn't even put it up there. They didn't even give it to him. <laughs> uh, yeah, the secret is, though, I think it's clear as day. These two love each other. <laughs> like... For sure. They're just smiling, and, like, even Floyd is just smiling when Connor rubbed his head. Like, there's seriously no real animosity here. <laughs> Can you really hate somebody that's going to make you three, four hundred million dollars? Fair point. Fair point. <laughs> but, yeah, I give Connor 10-9, borderline 10-8. But I can only say 10-9 because I didn't see the whole thing. But and yeah, Con- Connor wins the world tour 38-37 on my scorecard. Yeah, it was with a 10-8, yeah. I guess it's a draw for me, yeah. Oh, man. I guess they'll have to decide this one in the cage. Yeah, well, in the ring. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> as much as Floyd kept saying, yeah, we'll do this one yeah. in the ring, and then I'll fight you with four-ounce gloves, I'll fight you in an octagon. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, I bet a million dollars that's not going to happen. Yeah. Um, all right, let's do our mini quick top fives uh, top five moments from 
the world tour just real quick. Uh, I guess I'll just kick it off. Okay. My number five is Floyd showering Connor in ones. That was a good moment. Probably Floyd's yeah. best moment. Yeah, definitely. I'll just we'll just do uh, five through one each. Right. Uh, my number four was Connor's suit in L.A. His uh, homemade fuck you suit. That's very good. <laughs> With the pinstripes. Uh, I thought he was kidding when he first said it. Yeah, so did I. <laughs> and then Brett Okamoto tweeted out that picture. That was great. I didn't see that. Uh, number three. I just liked how the the angle of Floyd. I think this was his best play. Was when he would he was going up to Dana. Saying, Danny White, you're the man. We're the ones with the real money. You know, yeah. you're his boss. Like, stuff like that. Like, you're the pimp. He's the hoe. <laughs> and then Connor kind of did the same thing with Ellerby uh, in London, saying, You know what? I like Ellerby. He dresses real nice. Except today. What the <laughs> what the heck is that? <laughs> yeah. Thought that, I just like that that angle where you go after the, the other people in the party. Yeah. Uh, my number two is... Very similar, but just Connor's feud with Steven Espinosa, especially yeah. in Toronto when he first came out of nowhere with that and said "fuck Showtime" and yeah, right. that was great. And my number one is just Toronto in general, between the chant, the book bag, uh, just everything. He came out on fire, and that was easily the highlight. Like the whole fight is no matter what happens, it's worth it because of Toronto's press conference. Yeah. Um. My list, I did just Connor's press conference moments in general, UFC included, which I'm glad because he just definitely touched all the highlights of this world tour. So uh, my number five is going to be the Time Is Now press conference. Oh, is that what we were supposed to do? Well, well, it works out good because he just basically touched all the highlights of the world tour. All right, good. Sorry about that. It's all good. The Time Is Now, I... Yeah, that was the one where... Connor brought the old red panty night to light. Yeah, yeah. He was talking to... Uh, was it Cerrone? No, nah, well, the champion at the time. False Cerrone. RDA. RDA. He was talking to RDA. He was like... Said something about fighting Connor. And Connor was like, let's be honest. If Dana rang you and said you could fight Connor, no matter what about Cerrone, you'd take it in a second. And you fight me at the celebration. You ring back home, you ring your wife, you say... Put the red panties on. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good one. Yeah, that's a classic for sure. For sure. Um, uh, my number four is the Nate Connor press conference in the gym on the, the short notice press conference. Oh, yeah. They were going back and forth. Fuck you, fuck you. I mean, it was a good one. Very good one. Um, my number three is the Go Big press conference, which I think was lead up to 205. I think so. But, uh, I think so. It was. I think that's the one where uh, I believe I'm right. Uh, Dustin Poirier or somebody said something. Maybe not Dustin Poirier. Forget who said something. Jeremy Stevens. Oh yeah. <laughs> who the fuck is that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, one of the best moments in press conference history. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and then my number two is uh, Jose Aldo. I think it was. I don't know what city it was Dublin or something. Like, ran over and snatched his belt from him real quick and they damn near fought on stage. Yeah, you know what's a shame? I didn't watch any of that whole world tour. Really? Yeah, I just, I mean, I saw highlights and stuff, but I, I don't know why. I just, I guess I just wasn't, like, 
I didn't start watching, like, reading MMAfighting.com and stuff like that until we started doing this podcast. So I think it just, I missed it. But yeah. Sound like it was I, awesome. Yeah, I mean, UFC press conferences blow these boxing formats away, for sure. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that whole world tour, Connor, I mean, I forget what, how you say it. you're going to die in Portuguese, but he oh, was yeah. saying that all day. It was hilarious. But my number one's got to be Connor showing up late to the Madison Square press conference in Joe Frazier attire and sees that uh, Eddie Alvarez had walked away real quick, runs over and snatches the bell, dances across like he's showering money. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he is hilarious. I mean, he's like, sorry, I don't just don't give a fuck. I mean, he is just so smart. Like he saw Eddie wasn't sitting there. He ran over and snatched the belt real quick. In his mint coat and everything. Uh, I mean, he's yeah. legendary at press conferences. Yes, he is. Not even to mention the second Nate Diaz fight when they're chucking monster energy drinks and water bottles <laughs> at each other. <laughs> that was crazy. Yeah. Insanity. Like like I said, dude might be the best self-promoter of all time. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, let's get into real fights, shall we? Yeah. Let's start our regular show now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I guess before we get into UFC 213, we should get into the supposed, or was supposed to be, main event, Amanda Nunes versus Alex, Alexander Shevchenko. That's a Bellator fight. <laughs> Valentina Shevchenko. 135-pound um, women's bandweight title, which was replacing the old main event, which was, help me out, first it was supposed to be Michael Bisbing versus GSP. That obviously fell through. Yeah, early on, uh, and then I feel like it had a second main event here. Why can't I remember it? Oh, is it Cody Garbrandt? Yeah. Garbrandt versus Dillashaw fell through, and then this brought up, which obviously not as good as those other two would have been, but still a pretty good fight. Probably the best fight you can make in that weight class. And Nunes has some uh, great, you know, performances in main events in the past. Yeah, just that weight class dead after Rousey, if you ask me. Yeah, it's a little lackluster. Especially Holly Holmes on a huge slide, and Misha Tate's gone, I mean. I did hear a rumor that they're trying to bring Ronda back for one more at the end of the year against Misha Tate. Really? Yeah, but yeah, I agree. I still, I don't think they should, like, get rid of the division or anything. I just think it needs time to create its own identity after Ronda left the crater. Yeah, this definitely didn't help. But, th- but anyway, Nunez pulls out the day of the fight because of chronic sinusitis. Sinusitis? <laughs> Something like that? Is that what they put the name on it? Yeah, it's the chronic sinus infections that she gets. And um, this was a big thing. Like like I said, I was on vacation, so I'm like, I muted my Twitter and Facebook and all my notifications. So I wanted to not know anything so I could just come home, watch all the fights that I missed. But the only thing I saw was that the name of the pay-per-view had changed. Like, it didn't say <laughs> you 213, Noons versus Shevchenko. It said Whitaker versus Romero. And I'm like, wait a minute. That doesn't happen unless, you know, something happened and the fight got canceled. So I, I just Googled that specific thing and saw Nunes pulled out. Dana White was talking shit. Here goes. Bad Dana White. Uh, yeah. That was uh, crazy, like... I didn't. He, of course, he said the doctors cleared her. She was fine, 
and he goes and trashes a champion again. Again. <laughs> I mean, it's crazy. Jumps the gun and trashes the person he's supposed to be promoting. Yeah. Um, says this division will never main event again. And like I said to you, yeah, unless it's convenient or yeah. or, or they uh, need the main event or whatever. <laughs> or yeah, or Ronda comes back or a new star arises. Like you can't believe a word he says. Not at all. But what were your thoughts on this whole ordeal? Are you whose side are you on? What do you think? I mean, I can't be on a side if a doctor said she had a sinus infection. It's got to suck. I wouldn't want to get punched in the face like that either. Yeah, I mean, I mean it's tough, right? Because I, yeah, I mean, I definitely am not on Dana White's side. It doesn't matter if she wasn't sick. She pulled out. There's nothing you can do about it. You don't trash your champion like that. You got to promote her again in two months. Right. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I don't think Amanda wanted to drop out the day of the fight and not get paid and, you know, get mocked and have... I mean, she made her weight cut and everything. Yeah, I mean, to to say she's scared or anything, I think that's ridiculous. I think she probably, it sounds like, had just an incredibly bad sinus infection. And this is a championship fight. You you know, you don't want to... If she loses this belt, she's obviously already the UFC didn't love her. <laughs> she killed off the uh, the darlings of the division, right? So it's important. It's important fight. Oh, it's hugely loses. important. I mean, Ariel Helwani said I was interviewing Chael with Chael on the MMA Hour. Like, I mean, it's a huge deal. Like, I mean, she made her weight cut. It's not like, like you said she's not scared to get in there, but she goes in there with a sinus infection, gets hit in the face, and just couldn't handle it, and loses. I mean. She might go get back, go back to making twenty five and twenty five, right? Manic, exactly. Whatever. I mean, it's a big, big deal. Who's to say they're going to give her another title shot at least anytime soon? So, yeah. I, I mean, it's just a tough situation. I don't like how she handled it in some spots afterwards, saying the real fans will understand. Like, eh, just. I don't really like her at all. I mean, that's what I'm saying. It's hard to even take a side. But if she was really sick, she was really sick. I don't like her. I don't like. I know there's like a language barrier, but I don't like her press. I don't like, I just don't like her. I just never really have. I'm starting to like her less and less. Like, I don't like the way she, she pulled a Rousey by Shevchenko clearly like accidentally grazed her or something in the face off. And she starts like, or she hits her in the head or pushes her. Like, I think she's getting cocky, (laughs) but I, I was, I've always been a big fan of her coming up. I've talked about it before, but. Hopefully they remake this fight as soon as possible, and hey, maybe they'll put it on free TV because they don't. I think wanna... they were talking about Edmonton. I don't know what the event is, but two fifteen. Is it? Yeah, I think. Yeah, I don't know if there's a main event announced for that yet, but I guarantee it'll be the co-main, not the main. Yeah, well, unless they need a main event. <laughs> yeah, true. And Dana White will immediately be wrong again. Yeah, I'll be right. about a thousand times. Yeah, that's all. All right, let's get into UFC 213 proper. New main event. I thought this was really, like, the best fight of the night anyway, so it was fitting that it was ended up being the last fight of the night. But Robert Whitaker defeats Yoel Romero by unanimous decision, 48-47s across the board. Um, both of these guys just, I think they were combined 15-0 and coming into this fight. Like, as good as you can possibly get for interim and I honestly think this is the real belt I think Bisping has the interim belt I oh, mean not officially but as far as just talent wise 
I do think that Michael Bisping could have fought by now. I don't know what is up with that. but <laughs> He just wants to hold on to that belt. Yeah. <laughs> I was stoked that Whitaker won this fight. Yeah, it was awesome. I'm not a big Romero fan at all. Me neither. Um, just, but at the same, like, mostly outside of the cage. Inside the cage, like, dude is a beast. He's exciting to watch. He can have extreme violence in a flick of a finger. Like, it's not really anything against his style. It's just... And at times he's unintentionally funny, and he did show grace after losing. Like I thought he was really classy in defeat, but still I don't know why. I'm just not a not a big fan of his. And yeah, I was super impressed by Robert Whitaker. Blows out his knee in the first round, loses the first two rounds, and still manages to come back, win rounds three through five, and just really put it to Romero at the end of the fight. Yes, I mean super tough. I've always liked Whitaker. I thought his boxing has been super crisp. I didn't really give him much of a chance, like you said, after that happened. Yo Romero is a huge, strong dude. I couldn't believe that the fight happened the way it did. Yeah. Especially, I mean, I mean, Yo's huge and strong, but I mean, when he threw, he caught Weidman with that knee. He's, he's very capable of being a mixed martial artist. He's not one-dimensional or anything, but I mean, Robert Whitaker had some heart in this fight for sure. Yeah, no doubt about it, and. The guy is just his takedown defense is awesome. Like he's he, yeah. he's not quite Jose Aldo, but it's like he might get to that point where he's just you can't take him down. And on the feet, he's going to have the advantage because the guy is an awesome MMA boxer. Yeah, and absolutely. I think one of the best. His accuracy is disgusting, and that's the thing I noticed when he beat Jacare was like it seemed like every punch he threw found a home. And yeah. It was a pretty similar situation here. I mean, he was getting it pretty good as well in the first couple of rounds. But Romero, big guy, going to burn out his uh, his muscles, which he did. I mean, yeah, he basically took the fourth round off, I think it was, where he did literally nothing. But, I mean, yeah, like you said, super impressive. And I loved the promo between him and Bisving in the post-fight. Bisbing, Biz, as much as I hate on Bisbing, the dude is awesome as champ. Like he knows how to promote. He's yeah. he's ripping up the Cuban flag behind Yoel Romero. He throws his belt down at Whitaker's feet and says, "Here, hold on to this until we fight." Like it's pretty classic stuff. Yeah, like Whitaker's like, "Can I keep that? Can I really?" <laughs> yeah, I love that. Uh, but yeah, what do you think? Uh, are they actually going to fight Bisbing and Whitaker, or is he going to fight GSP? And uh, what do you think of that fight? I mean, I think if Bisbing can't fight Whitaker by the end of the year, he deserves to be stripped. Yeah. I mean, there's no two ways about it. I mean, I don't think he has much going on. He might be shooting a movie or something. But <laughs> <laughs> I don't see why. He, I mean, if he was ready to fight GSP, why can't he fight Whitaker? Yeah, that's true. I think they're going to fight, and... Uh... I'm excited to see it. I heavily favor Robert Whitaker. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, Dana said the GSP thing's dead, but... Yeah, I mean, you never know, but I, I think it probably is. But yeah. I honestly think Romero would have been better matchup in Bisbing's favor than Whitaker. Just because... Really? Yeah, I mean, I can see how Bisbing beats Romero, right? Very similar to this this fight. Like, I think he would get beat up for two rounds... But Bisbing is tough if he could survive. 
Uh, Romero's going to tire out like he did, and then Bisping could just win the last two rounds. Like, I would have still picked Romero to beat Bisping, but I could see a way that he could do it. Against Whitaker, man, I don't know. Unless it's going to be a Rockhold situation where he just catches him with something. But Yeah, I don't give him much of a chance against Whitaker. I thought that Romero would have overpowered him too, though. Just, I, I, was, I just thought Yul was so big and powerful. I just, I don't know, just especially, I mean, he, I thought Chris was beating him, but he fought Chris with that knee and he was done. I mean, yeah, folded he, him up. I don't think Bisping has the takedown defense that Whitaker showed either, but. Yeah, agreed. And Bisping's not taking Whitaker down if, uh, you know, this fight was any indication. And if they're, they're on the feet, I think Whitaker's going to win almost every exchange. So, I don't know. It's going to be tough, but I'm sure Bisping's going to sell it, try to make it as big as possible. So, it should be fun. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I would love to see Whitaker as the actual middleweight champion. I mean, I've liked the kid for a while. I've always thought his boxing was great. I think it would be awesome for him to – he's a nice dude. Like, Yeah, he is. I'd love to see him as champion. Bobby Knuckles. I mean, there's plenty of awesome matchups to be had in this division. Well, one less, which we'll talk about later in the news. But, I mean, he could fight Luke Rockhold, uh, Chris Weidman if he could get his shit together, Calvin Gastelum. Like, middleweight's pretty strong right now. So, oh, for sure. I mean, and even Romero could bounce back and get another shot soon. I mean, it's not like he embarrassed himself. I'd like to see him go out and fight a Rockhold or someone like that, try to get right back into the thick of things. So Whitaker fights Bisping. Who, wins, who fights the winner? Rockhold. Rockhold versus Romero. Winner. I think you got to match those two up together. Yeah. yeah. Which I think Rockhold would probably win. Yeah, I think I definitely think Rockhold needs to take a fight or two here rather than run his mouth. Yeah, he's kind of not doing himself any favors, but I don't know. It's a tough situation because the UFC definitely did screw those guys, but at the same time, it's kind of back in order now, so you might want to just go with the flow yeah I mean it's not happened a year ago so let's get things going yeah and it's a shame Musasi's gone because that would have been another awesome guy to enter into this mix but yeah but alright let's talk about Alistair Overeem defeating Fabricio Verdum by split decision majority um, oh yes majority decision right because it was 28-28 um, what did you think who did you have it for a lot of controversy here. I think even Verdum said he's going to appeal, which I think is a little bit much. But yeah, I mean, I I slightly edged it for Overeem. I could see where the the uh, discontent could be, but I don't know. I thought Verdum could have done more. I thought Overeem could have done more. It wasn't spectacular, but I mean, it wasn't a terrible fight. But I thought Overeem won, but I definitely hear where, like, there's no chance that will deserve you a title shot again right after that fight. No way. If they give him Stipe after that, I'm going to be like, mm, I mean, I'll watch it. <laughs> of course, yeah, but, I mean, he just had a title. I mean, it's coming off the title shot. Yeah, so. and I gave, I gave the fight to Verdu. I thought he, I mean, first round was super close. Neither guy did all that much. I think Verdu landed like 10 punches and Overeem landed like two or three but Overeem's were the better shots so that's really tough to to say one way or the other I gave a slight edge to Verdum 
Overeem clearly won the second round and Verdum clearly won the third. So I thought I would have had it the other way. But at the same time, I think it's more Verdum's fault because, I mean, he had Overeem in all sorts of trouble in that third round. If he yeah. were – and he decides to take him down and just lay on him for the last two minutes. Right. If you're going to take him down, you got to go for the finish or something. he was out on his feet, basically. Just stand there, take your time, patient, and just pick him apart. One, Overeem has proven time yeah, and time up. again. When he is days like that, he's not coming back from it. So no. I think it, Verdum has no one to blame but himself. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't have, I, I would have been more comfortable with the draw here, but I don't think either guy really yeah, draw gains it. that much or loses that much here. No. Yeah, I agree. And I, I'm a bigger Verdum fan than you, at least coming into this fight. But Sure. Uh, I don't know. I was not a fan of how he handled everything. So. Yeah, I've never been a Verdum fan at all. But, I mean, it's a heavyweight division. If Verdum could win another fight or two and be right back in yeah. the title. Absolutely. Shots. No doubt about it. All right, let's talk about the third fight. <laughs> we'll be quick with this. Curtis Blades defeats Daniel Emelianchuk. By decision, this was a terrible fight. Uh, who cares? Curtis Blades, I mean, yeah, he's kind of an up-and-comer in the heavyweight division, but still a ways to go. Yeah, definitely. He's got to put on, I think, a better performance than that to get some hype behind him. Yeah, I mean, they gave him a pretty good uh, shine here of having a third fight from the top on a big international that fight with Carter. And, and he uh, he did not take advantage. So. <laughs> Yeah, speak, and uh, Anthony Pettis defeats Jim Miller by sound, unanimous decision. Joe Rogan was going apeshit saying, vintage Pettis, Showtime is back. I don't um, know if I would go that far, but he definitely looked as good as he has in a long time. It was great to see him get a win. He definitely needed it. Never, I mean, I was never the biggest Anthony Pettis fan, but I did not like him. And, Who are you a fan of? Well, it's few and far between, I guess. But. <laughs> yeah. But no, I just I was I was very happy to see him get a good win here. I mean, it's Jim Miller. He's a basically a uh, what do you call those guys? Journeyman. No. A, Veteran. Huh? Veteran journeyman. Uh, I don't know to get to, like to put somebody over. Uh, gatekeeper. Gatekeeper. There you go. Basically, that's what he's at at this point. I yeah, mean. yeah. He'll give you a tough fight for sure. I mean, he's tough as nails. He's gonna fire back. It's a test, but yeah, he's basically gatekeeper to the stars. If you can beat him, you're solidly in top 15, top 10 range, maybe. Yeah, he's super tough, but I mean, Anthony Pettis, like he had a hand stand kick or whatever you'd like to call that, and a few nice little moves there. He definitely, I mean, it was, like you said, a sound decision. I was, it's good to see him get on the back right track. Like you said, that 45 move was not the right move for him, so... Maybe he'll get his footing and get back on track here lightly. Yeah, what do you think's next for him? I mean, yeah, he's – if you take out the Holloway fight, he's won two of his last three, beat Charles Oliveira, and now a nice win over Jim Miller. Like you said, Jim Miller, he's – I mean, he's no not much defense. So it was like a perfect matchup to get him this win. This is played out exactly how it was designed. This at least takes the pressure off where he's not – going to be so uptight and just worried about, oh, my God, if I lose another one, am I going to get cut? Maybe he can loosen up now, give him someone a little bit tougher. If he wins that one, maybe you throw him back in the, in the thick of things. But, yeah, it was nice to see him get a win for sure. Yeah, definitely. I think they should keep, like, 
not putting him on the same card as his brother, let him worry about his own stuff. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, yeah, all right, so the pay-per-view opener was originally supposed to be the Fight Pass prelim main event, uh, Rob Font against Douglas Silva D'Andrade, and Rob Font... I've never either of them. I know Rob Font. I mean, I've definitely seen them both fight, but Font, band and weight division, he's he's a decent up-and-comer. He just took out Matt Schnell his last time out, and I think he got demolished by um, John Lineker before that, but that's not really much to be ashamed of. That guy's a killer. <laughs> but I thought Font looked really good here, getting a second-round submission. Not a ton to say, but there's another guy to watch in the ever-increasing deep bantamweight division. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, these days, lower weight class, lower weight classes are way deeper than the upper weight classes. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I think one thirty-five through one seventy right now is just like awesome. Or yeah. no, even one eighty-five. What am I talking about? Middleweight is pretty darn good right now. So for sure, it's uh, heavyweight, light heavyweight, and flyweight are kind of slacking, but and it sucks because the best champions at flyweight. True and light heavyweight. Yeah, well, I guess. <laughs> two of two of the best at <laughs> the same time. <laughs> All right, and maybe my favorite fight of UFC 213 was watching Travis Brown get submitted by Alexei Olianik, the 50-year, like 70-year-old Russian guy. Oh, my God, I loved it. It was so ugly. I... <laughs> the way he, like, gave up his back and got the choke around it was just like pathetic Travis Brown is hot garbage hot garbage is right he's gotta be Bellator bound at this point Dana White was like I think he should retire yeah I mean his heart is obviously not into it I mean this is a guy that at one point was like this is the next big thing at heavyweight he was undefeated looking great knocking out Overeem with the front kick and yeah, uh, Josh Barnett with the elbows, right? Yeah, with those nasty elbows. I mean, he was just a killer. And then he hurt his knee in the Bigfoot Silva fight, ended up losing that, his first fight he ever lost. And I feel like ever since then, he's just not... And he's just been getting worse and worse, honestly. Yeah. It's not like he's just lost a step. I mean, he's literally, he's getting obviously worse each time out. You mean, I mean, it's... It's, it's it's hard to even have expectations for him at this point. No, I mean, when you're getting... It's not like Olianik, This, to be real, I think he's like 41, 42. But he's an older guy. I mean, slower, worse athlete, like a foot shorter. How is he not just picking him apart from the outside? Olianik is just rushing in with his overhand left, tagging him every time, clinching him, taking him down at will. Like, it was embarrassing. Yeah, it was like his right eye was closed and he couldn't see it coming or something. Yeah. I don't know. Let's be real here. He's the real winner. He gets to go home and run around every night. Uh, if you say so. <laughs> <laughs> not, She's got not, the bug, at least. Not the my cup bugs. of tea, but... Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. This just made my night. Like, This was one of the first things I watched when I started catching up. I just put on these prelims at, like, I don't know, 10.30, 11 o'clock at night, thinking... I'll fall asleep to these prelims, and then I'll finish catching up with the rest tomorrow. And this fight gave me life. I was wide awake and wired after seeing this. So I watched the whole uh, Ultimate Fighter 25 finale, which we'll get into right now. Yeah. 
Great segue. Justin Gaethje with a star-making performance in clearly the fight of the year so far against Michael Johnson. I mean, this fight was incredible. Is this is for a fight that didn't even make it through two rounds? This is as good as it freaking gets. For sure. Oh my god. I mean, he got caught in that first round. Yeah, basically, these two guys fight starts, they meet in the middle. And they just rock them, sock them robots. Like, yeah. both trying to push the pace, both trying to be a pressure fighter and be the aggressor. And uh, Gaethje just throwing awesome just combos, leg, leg kick after leg kick, hitting him. It looked like he was clearly winning the first round by far. And then he got caught with a, like a awkward right hook, I want to say. Yeah, right or left hook, something like that. And he was messed up. Like, definitely knocked him senseless look like it could have been uh, a time for Michael Johnson to finish but Gaethje undefeated World Series of Fighting champ known for his toughness no defense all offense and he lived up to it survived the round gets clipped again maybe once or twice in the second round but somehow is throwing flying knees and landing them after all, all that and then just puts Johnson away he overwhelmed him he just couldn't take anymore yeah, I mean, he was hitting him with his leg kicks and body kicks, and it wore Johnson out. I mean, his, he couldn't even hardly get his hands up, and he just took a beating once that started. And Once he got him up against the cage, he hit him with, like, a knee and uh, a few other things. I think he hit him with that flying knee and then one more, like, Muay Thai knee, and it, it was done. I mean, he brutalized him at that point. But yeah. He definitely took some shots himself, which he's known for, but and he's, what, like 18 and L and... Yeah. I mean, it's Michael Johnson. I don't know. It's def- It's a good win, but I don't know how far Gaethje's going to get in the UFC with that defense. Well, I mean, if his off... I mean, look, Conor McGregor's probably like, okay, I'm coming back. I'm fighting uh, Justin Gaethje. <laughs> like, <laughs> he's so... Uh, Conor would just eat him alive. But I think he might surprise some people. Clearly, he's going to have more grit, more heart than anyone or most people, you know, he goes up against. Like, say he fights Edson Barbosa. Clearly, Barbosa, like, better technical striker with more power or whatever. I think he beats him. I think he's just overwhelming offensively and un- yeah, I mean, unrelenting. Yeah, as tough as can be, I mean, but, I mean, even if, and not, not that the World Series of Fighting wasn't real, but I just don't know how far he's going to go in the lightweight division blocking punches with his head. <laughs> That's a fair point. Uh, he's, I think I said somewhere, like, he's the next Chuck Liddell. Like, <laughs> right? What, like, half disoriented at 40 years old? Yeah. If I mean, <laughs> come on. He, and very similar, I mean, not super similar, but he's basically Chuck Liddell of lightweight division, right? Like, yeah. and yeah, if he doesn't, you know, do something and he keeps taking this kind of damage for a whole career, he's definitely going to be... You know, once his chin goes, he's going to be in a lot of trouble. But well, yeah, once his chin goes, he's getting knocked out just in, like Chuck. Until that point, dude could fight a freaking punching bag and be fight of the night, like <laughs> main event against anyone. Like, I want to see him just, I just want to see him fight. I don't care who it's against. Yeah. You know, and they announced um, today or yesterday that he's officially fighting Eddie Alvarez as Tough 26 coaches. Yeah, yeah. Which I'm hearing a lot of complaints. Like, really, this guy makes this awesome performance, and 
this is what you're going to do, put them on the shelf for this amount of time? I've never once heard these tough pictures come out and been a fan of it. I hate, I mean, it takes two or three months to film and then another six months to come out. And then, I mean, it's, I mean, it's basically a year you're on the shelf. Yeah, and it's, they already started filming, so it won't be as long as, like, Frankie Edgar when he was with against BJ Penn, but still, like, yeah, it is kind of sucky because you could have put these guys on, you don't know, UFC 216 or something, maybe in September, October. And, uh, but at the same time, I'm not... Well, until the end of next spring, this comes at, like, the finale will be... No, no, the finale will be in December. So, oh, yeah, I guess it is on July. So... It's not that bad, and honestly, though, <laughs> it might be a blessing in disguise for Gaethje. Yeah, you know, I mean, give him a chance to recover from that shit. Yeah, and you know, oh my, I can't wait for this fight, though. Just in and of itself, like both of these guys are very similar. With once they get tagged, they just bite down on the mouth guard and start throwing harder. Like, well, they're both like these chest guys, aren't they? Yeah, I think so. No, wait, I think Gaethje's from the Midwest, but. Yeah. I thought he trained with... He might train somewhere. I'm not exactly sure, but... I even liked his, like, uh, post-fight interview with Joe Rogan. Like, he definitely is a guy that just got himself recognized immediately. Yeah. You know? Definitely. And uh, as far as Michael Johnson, the, that guy might be the most talented, like, mediocre fighter ever. <laughs> yeah. The guy has... All the talent in the world, the athleticism. I mean, he's got fast as shit hands, good power, good wrestling. Like, he has it all, but he's so... I'm, I'm not saying he's... I don't know what he's like outside the ring, but at least inside, strategically, he's so dumb. Yeah. <laughs> like, why would he just stand there in the middle of the cage and banging out with Justin Gaethje? You know that's his strength. And just like with Khabib, like... Or not Khabib, uh, Nate Diaz. You're play, he plays everyone's game and gets himself caught up, and and that's where he loses. Like, I think he could be a top-five fighter if he was smarter. Yeah, I mean, if you, God, it just, like you said, you played right into uh, Nate's hand. I mean, you could have just thrown leg kicks at his front leg like anybody, like uh, RDA did or anybody did. Josh Nate Thompson, did. yeah. But, I don't know. And it's, I, I don't I mean, he had a good fight against uh, Poirier. Um, Russian Nurmagomedov. Oh, Khabib. Yeah. Yeah, he did show pretty good for the first two minutes before he got destroyed, and he had a vicious knockout over Dustin Poirier. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he's definitely a good fighter. So it's just like frustrating guy if you're a fan of his to watch. Yeah, it's, I, I think he's going to soon be like a middle of the road to even maybe gatekeeper. I don't know if he's even that good to be a gatekeeper, but... Yeah, especially, I mean, he took a lot of damage. <laughs> it's going to be yeah. tough to come back from, but we'll see how he does it. And let's get to the final of the Redemption Tough 25. Jesse Taylor defeats Diego Lima by second round submission. Pretty good story to have Jesse Taylor, who got kicked out of the finale... Uh, in his first season, way back when, when he's kicking out the windows of limos and just being a drunken asshole. Uh, gets his shit together, does some good work in other organizations, comes back, wins this season. I was pretty happy with the story arc of this of this season. Yeah, it's, I mean, I liked it. I mean, he trains at 
Dan Anderson's gym, so naturally I'm going to like him. But, uh, of course. Um, I mean, I just... Like, it was redemption guys that have already been there, but... Jesse Taylor, I mean, he was... Uh, I don't know, I just... It's just crazy. How, how old is he? I think he's, like, 34. Uh, I thought he was older than that, but... Actually, I guess he did make it through the tournament, right? He wasn't a replacement. No, he won every fight he was in. Okay, I, was, I thought he was a replacement. I was going to say, what's the point of the tournament? But if he did it right, he did it right. I mean, congrats. I was stoked to see. I was happy, very happy for him. I mean, yeah. you can tell he's like a family guy, a good dude. Um, I don't think this is going to put Diego Lima off too far. I mean, his brother's champion at Bellator. And so, I, was, I mean, it's almost a win-win for both guys. Um I thought I didn't see it going the way it did. I mean, Jesse Taylor got rocked. And, yeah. Uh, he got dropped. It was like a behind-the-ear kind of shot. And he was definitely on Queer Street. Um, but he, he got he got his back and uh, finished it off pretty quick in the second round. Yeah, he did. And, yeah, a guy's never going to be a title challenger, especially at the deep division that is welterweight. But, uh, I mean, he's a good guy to have. In the, he could be like the prelim headliner, you know, FS1 prelims headliner, just name value and good story. Yeah. You know, it's a good guy to have in the organization as like a filler. Like for sure, a, I think that $300,000 he won was the big part for him. True, true. And <laughs> I could picture him being like a Sam Alvey type. Like yeah, I mean, win two, lose one, something like that. Yeah, he's basically like prelim filler. Yeah. But, let's see, a couple other ones just wanted to mention real quick. Don't got to get into them too much. But Drakkar Close defeated Mark Diakasi by a um, split decision. Um, Diakasi was undefeated, highly talented guy coming into this fight. I thought he was going to win, but this guy who kind of turned out to be a douchebag after the fight was, like, screaming at Diakasi after the decision, which was kind of weird, but... <laughs> came out through some vicious calf kicks and really threw Diakasi off his game right away. Looked good. Um, I don't even know why it was a split decision. It was pretty clearly close as close, not a close decision, but it was close as fight to lose. <laughs> and uh, pretty impressive. I don't know if you saw it. No, I didn't. And I don't know much about either of the guys. Yeah. Um, and then Jared Cannonier, Cannonier, Jared Cannonier <laughs> defeated late replacement Nick Rorick by a third round knockout. This was just a beatdown of the night. Just this Nick guy was tough, very tough. Had a solid chin until the end, but man, he took a lot of punishment. Yeah. And this Cannonier guy, who you know he lost to Glover Teixeira last time out, but. He's still a player at light heavyweight, very thin division, especially with some of the guys they've lost recently. So just thought it was a, a good performance by him. Just wanted to give him yeah, a Yeah, I don't know if it breaks him in very highly in there, but... No, top 15, maybe. Anyone in the UFC is a good man. <laughs> True. <laughs> All right, let's move on to Ultimate... No, UFC Fight Night 112 in Oklahoma City. Uh, Kevin Lee defeats Michael Chiesa. By first round submission, this fight feels like it was ten years ago. After everything that's been going on lately, but there was a lot of controversy coming out of this. With uh, did he tap? Did he not? 
Uh, I have thoughts on this, but I'd like to hear yours first. I, I don't know if he tapped. I don't. It was. I don't know. Um, Some people saying, "What a joke, Yamasaki! You know, you're the next Steve Mazzagatti again, Dana White." Um, <laughs> and you know, this they need to run this back. Uh, I don't want to see it again. Just, just because I don't want to see their press again. It was stale. It was. I don't know. I didn't like that whole mom thing and their fight and whatever. I mean, Michael Kies is a solid fighter, but he is who he is, and everybody's trying to play the whole Connor type game. And I just, I feel like I just see right through it. I don't know, especially like man, Amanda Nunes trying to do it with Shevchenko. I just, it's stale to me at this point. But in terms of the fight, I don't know. It was definitely a quick stoppage, I think. I think it, it wouldn't have hurt Kiesa to let it go a little bit longer there. Yeah. All right. I mean, if anyone is going to do the Connor thing, like the imitators, at least Kevin Lee has been able to back it up. Like, this was a really impressive performance. Yeah. Kiesa is a top 10 lightweight. I mean, he hasn't fought in a while, but he's definitely a legit lightweight contender. And Kevin Lee just made him look stupid and just... Yeah, maybe it was a quick stoppage, but what? There was like 30 seconds left in the round. What That thing was in. Like, okay, Yamasaki. Yeah, maybe he was a second or two early, but really, what was Kiesa going to do? He wasn't getting out of that. Yeah. It was over. So what? I mean, if it was a second or two early. I just yeah, I don't, don't understand. Like, who cares? It was The fight was over. He dominated him. He was either going to put him to sleep or get him to tap it was just I feel like it's just an easy excuse for Kiesa to try to get a rematch yeah I agree I mean it's, it was pretty much all said and done at that point and the only way he would have gotten out of it is if the ref stepped in maybe thinking he tapped and then backed away and Kevin Lee got distracted or something out of that but uh, he stopped, yeah, I think it was pissed. I mean it was every you're right so he, it stopped, he stopped hand fighting it was under his chin, deep as crap. He looked almost out, I mean. Yeah. It almost looked like he was going out. So, I don't know. I just think it's much to do about nothing, as most of these types of controversies are. But, uh, yeah, what do you think is next for Kevin Lee? I mean, this definitely puts him on the map. Yeah, I don't know what ranking he's at after this fight, but I think he should definitely get a, a top five fight, I would think. Yeah, I would think so. Maybe a um, fight with Barbosa or maybe even Tony Ferguson. If, yeah. uh, you know, if they can't get him the rematch with Khabib or a fight with Nate, I mean, could be an option. I don't know. I think definitely just put himself, like, close to where where you want to be. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely, like you said, he definitely backs it up. He's... I think there's probably big things in store for him as long as he plays his cards, right? Yeah, you know he's going to keep running his mouth, so... Yeah. He had that awkward interview with Tony Ferguson after the fight. Uh, not the biggest fan of that kind of stuff. Because it, it, it just seems like he is hardcore ripping off Connor. Oh, for sure. Like, Especially, like, even, like, the shirt he wore at the press conference. Yeah, exactly. I'd like to see him... I mean, he's still a really young kid. I think he's like 23, 24, so may, hopefully he can kind of 
integrate his own style into the mix as well. So we'll see. But how about this story? <laughs> Tim, Tim Boach knocks out Johnny Hendricks in the first round, second round, excuse me, after Hendricks missed weight at middleweight. <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> I knew this day was coming. I knew it. Uh, yeah, I think you predicted this the first time he went up <laughs> to middleweight, which it's it's almost so sad that it's funny. Like, what the hell, dude? I think it's definitely funny. <laughs> Another guy like Travis Brown, who might be Bellator bound. That's what I was about to say. It was like, Johnny Hendricks better be careful. You won't be able to get Bellator contracts. Yeah. What's next? He's going to fight light heavyweight? I mean, he definitely got caught with a nice head kick. But, I mean, it's from Tim Bosch. Yeah, the dude that used to fight at light heavyweight. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's tough and he's not fast. Or, but he's, I mean, I don't know. Johnny Hendricks is a shell of who he used to be. Yeah. Talk about a guy who needs to retire. Talking about a guy who needs steroids to be successful. Ooh, calling him out. That doesn't sound very professional. But you're not in the MMAJA yet, so I'll, I'll, let, you, I'll let you have <laughs> But, I mean, it's certainly, like, a question. It has to be, right? Because he's just, yeah. he is, like, the poster boy for people who have just looked and performed so differently once USADA came on board. So For sure. Definitely something to be uh, wary of. I mean, and it, it could be multiple things. It could be the whole IV thing. I mean, that affects a lot of people after they cut weight. They can't use the IVs anymore. Yeah, that's uh, true. I mean, John Hendricks definitely has a problem cutting the actual weight, but he's definitely looked like crap. Like with Stephen Thompson fight, he looked deflated and no good. Yep. Which kind of it makes that Stephen Thompson win, which at the time I thought was like super impressive by Thompson. Maybe it wasn't as impressive as we thought in hindsight, yeah. but anyway, let's get to the shit show. Felice Herrig defeats Justine Keish by uh, decision, but Keish survives a super deep guillotine or rear naked choke in the second or third round, and which again, another story that I'm just sick of hearing about. Like, who cares? She defecates herself and. The internet went crazy. <laughs> That's got to suck. I mean, uh, you're the person that did that. Yeah, I mean, well, she's not the first. She won't be the last. Yeah. It's just a shame because the girls wear those small shorts. You know, a guy could probably get away with it because they got, you know, the tight, like, boxer brief things and then shorts over top. Like, Yoel Romero shit himself uh, a few years back. Yep. So, I mean, it's just... Trying to save a sweat. <laughs> exactly. It's just a shame that uh, this time it escapes. And, um, yeah, it's it was nasty, but, I mean, at least she had a good uh, attitude about it, tweeted some funny thing, like, shit happens. And, yeah. Uh, it's pretty embarrassing, but what are you going to do? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it sucks. It's But she was tough, took a beating, and... I don't, I don't know. I guess you got to move on from it. It's, it's just not much good you can say about it. I know. Yeah. And, and, like, I was, like, seeing stories two weeks later with what did Felice think? I'm like, come on. Let it go. It's not that big. I thought thing. it stunk. <laughs> oh, good one. <laughs> All right. Let's move on. Dennis Seaver defeats BJ Penn 
in a very sad fight uh, by decision. I mean... I didn't even see this fight. I haven't even seen it yet. You haven't? Wow. I mean, it's just ridiculous. BJ Penn. I think Dennis Seaver is probably the baseline lowest fighter on the UFC's roster right now. God, I totally forgot BJ was on this card. They didn't market it at all. No, and coming off his beatdown from Yair Rodriguez and Frank Yeager, he looked just as bad here. Dennis Seaver is old, slow, um, I don't know, big-headed. I don't, I, it's like I can't even believe that Dennis Seaver is still in the UFC roster. And he goes out, and other than getting knocked down with a nice uppercut in the second round, he just clearly dominated BJ Penn. BJ he looked Penn, that bad, huh? Yeah, he looked just as bad as he has been in his last two fights. It's like, stop doing this to yourself. You're <laughs> completely ruining your legacy. You think he's that broke? I guess. I don't see any other reason why he's doing this. If you're going to do this, you got to take fights against other you got to go to Bellator and do the senior league, you know, like yeah. you can't, I guess that's what Dennis Seaver is to an extent. So I don't, I just, it's crazy. The drop off, like don't know how it's possible, that sucks. but it is. And it happened. What are you going to do? Speaking right. of Bellator, we had their first or not first, uh, second ever pay-per-view Bellator 180 slash New York city main evented by Chael P. Sonnen who defeats Vanderlei Silva by a boring decision, predictably. Yeah, imagine that. And calls out Fedor after the fight, and <laughs> the guy is just the same as he ever was. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, I don't know, it's, I was surprised that uh, Vanderlei couldn't do more to him, but I wasn't surprised that Chael was going to win, that that was how it was going to go. Yeah. What did you think of just the Bellator pay-per-view overall? Uh, just I as an experience, like, you think it was successful? Would you watch another one? Uh, it depends on the fights they put on. And I mean, I was excited for this one, but at the same time, I just, I don't know. I was just, like, not big on any of their champions. I'm not, like, I don't know. It's, there's just something about Bellator. Like, I like Scott Coker's Strike Force. I love Strike Force. Yeah. And he's done some good things for Bellator, but it just doesn't have the same feel to it. It's just, I don't know if they don't have the. Of course, I mean, look at what Strike Force roster did when they came to the UFC. True. Yeah. They did huge things. And I just don't think they have that roster. I don't. Don't think they have the personalities. I mean, they, I don't know. It's just like. It's like a pro wrestling feel almost to it not quite as much anymore but yeah I know what you mean though it's like Chael Sonnen it's like their biggest it's like trying to be their Conor McGregor and it just isn't there no yeah I agree it's tough like even though they're signing these ex-UFC guys and I want to see them fight but I didn't even watch the Rory McDonald fight like yeah I just I don't know why I don't have the urge to watch their fights I did watch uh I did watch the pay-per-view, and I mean, it was fun in, like, a totally weird, like, everything that could go wrong went wrong way, but... Yeah. I watched the Fedor and the Chael fight, that's all I watched. Ah. 
I watched some highlights. What happened with Michael Chandler? All right, yeah, let's talk about that next. Um, he, he lost because of injury. Uh, officially, I guess it's TKO or something. Dr. First, Salvage. Yeah, Dr. Salvage, first round. He, like, blew out his ankle or something. And, I mean, it looked in real bad shape. But he, he's such a freaking animal. Like, he just kept coming and saying, like, pointed to his foot and saying, go ahead, kick it. <laughs> like, no yeah, dude is just like going full like Diego Sanchez out there, and uh, yeah, it was pretty nuts. It's a crazy way for like their biggest guy, like homegrown guy, to lose his belt. I'm sure he'll get an immediate rematch and and win because yeah. I think he was clearly going to win that fight. So, but at least there's a storyline there now. There's like something to go off of. Uh, yeah, that was weird. And let's see, Matt Mitrione. Knocks out Fedor in the first round. That broke my heart. That was, I mean, that was so predictable, but <laughs> that was a crazy but, I mean, fight. It was crazy. I mean, they came out, little circle on, and they crack each other, but knocked each other down at the same, same time. Exact it was like time. a double knockout. Yeah. Awesome. But Fedor was gone after that, and yeah. Jaren came back. Yeah, he, he bounced on it, jumped on top, and finished him ground and pound style. So, I yeah, mean, I thought they let Fedor take a few too many punches. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Fedor's done. I mean, I hope he doesn't ever fight again. You for real? Absolutely. Ah oh, man, I think it's Bellator. Like he could fight older people. You know? I know he could, but I don't want to see him do it. But he's not gonna get beat up by like. It's Matt Mitrione, dude. And he just cracked him once and well, he's done. Well, Matt Mitrione is a big heavy hitter. Like I, I saw this coming a mile away. Like give him say. Check Congo. Check Congo. He's got his by, uh, what's his face? Oh, yeah. Russia. Fabio Maldonado. Yeah. True. All He's right. a light heavyweight. Fine. <laughs> Let him retire. <laughs> I mean, it's just like he keeps getting clobbered. Give him Chael Sonnen. Chael's not going to knock him out, right? I wish they would have. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. But how about Mitrion? What do you do with him? They got. They don't have a heavyweight champion still. I was going to say, do you their champion? <laughs> yeah. Vitaly, Who do you put against him for the vacant belt? Check Congo, boring fight. Yeah, I guess that. Uh, Roy Congo. Nelson, maybe. Sign Pat Barry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Heavyweight MMA. Speaking of the champions of Bellator, Phil Davis. Goes down. Yeah, Ryan Bader wins a decision, a boring ass decision, predictably, yet again. Uh, split decision. Uh, terrible fight. And <laughs> Phil Davis clearly won. Judges saw it otherwise, but no one cared because everyone fell asleep. So, <laughs> I mean, good for Ryan Bader. He signed with Bellator to become champion, and now he's champion. So, I mean, look, he never was going to be champion in the UFC. So, I mean, I, I'm not a big fan oh. of his, but happy for him. I mean, Bellator is like the league of... It ain't the second best of the UFC. It ain't the third best of the... It's like the fifth best of the UFC. Yeah. Or their champions, if that. Yeah. It's it's interesting. But, I mean, they can do King Mo versus Bader. There's some... They actually have a decent light heavyweight division. Comparatively. Yeah. Like, as far as... The difference between their light heavyweight and the UFC's light heavyweight... It's not as big as uh, any other division. I mean, they basically have zero middleweight division. 
That's true. <laughs> uh, well, they got Gegard Mousasi, so yeah. that's all you need. Um, right. Zach Freeman defeats Aaron Pico by first round submission. Embarrassing, Aaron Pico, this highly touted like oh my god, threat, like uh, what was he? First in? professional fight. Yeah, they thought they were giving him a a can, and he's like, my dad was like telling him up. Him how everybody's saying this kid's the best prospect of all time and all this. I was like, he doesn't have a professional fight yet. How do you know if he's the best prospect of all time? Like, yeah. I mean, how do you know anything about him? He looked and like then, he looked like CM Punk out there. <laughs> he loses in twenty four seconds. Yeah, pretty crazy. Like I said, anything that could go wrong went wrong for Bellator. Um, Douglas Lima, we talked about Diego earlier, defeats Lorenz Larkin in his debut. To defend the welterweight title, uh, pretty. Oh, landslide. Pr- you think it was landslide? Yeah, well, at least I thought it was at least four rounds to one. Yeah, it probably was. Highlights, watching the highlights. But the rounds were close. It's not like he just destroyed him. I mean, yeah. they each had their moments. It was a little bit. This was the fight I was really looking forward to, and it was not. Didn't deliver the way I thought it would, but it still was at least. Two highly talented guys, like close fight. It was fun to watch. Uh, but yeah, Diego Lima was the better fighter that night. I think you know it'll be fun to see him fight Rory McDonald and maybe give Lorenz Larkin like uh, Paul Daly or something like that. You know, there's some interesting stuff to be had there. Yeah. Um, let's see. They also had James Gallagher, Conor McGregor Jr. <laughs> Defeating Chinzo Machida by first round submission. This was probably like the biggest star making performance for them. What is it about these Irish guys, little Irish guys, with the the cockiness and the right. dominant performances? That's not Leota's brother, yeah. Yeah, Chinzo. Uh, I think 145 pounds. Yeah, I believe so. I don't know. It was impressive. It was cool. Yeah. He got some pop. He got some pop at Madison Square Garden, so that was neat. All right, let's move on to UFC Fight Night 111 in, I want to say, the Philippines. Holly Holm defeats Betch Kahea by third round head kick knockout. It was pretty awesome to see. Betch Kahea was taunting and saying, come on, let's go, and then immediately, boom, head kick <laughs> knockout. I loved it. Yeah, she definitely, I mean, Holly Holm needed to win big. And yeah, she, she did. needed a good win, and I don't know if the opponent, the opponent was a good win, but the way she did it was as good as it could have been. I honestly think that just earned her the next title shot. <laughs> honestly. It could. In either weight class. Like, I think she could fight the winner of Noon's Shevchenko, or she could fight the winner of, well, she could fight Cyborg <laughs> after that fight. <laughs> so... You're not giving Tanya a shot? Not really. I, it's not any slight to her. It's just, come on. Cyborg yeah, I, could probably beat Jose Aldo. So. She'll get her 15 minutes of fame. And yeah, well, she'll go back down to Bantamweight, stay in the UFC, and make a run at that belt. I think that would be cool. So. You don't think that if Holly Holm gets a title shot off of this, that both divisions aren't a complete farce? They already are. Well, at least 145. Is right now. There is no division. Yeah, exactly. I saw that someone was one of the podcasts I listened to talking about how there's only been 
this will only be the second 145-pound women's fight in the UFC. Both title fights, all four fighters. <laughs> Two different, different people. Yeah. yeah. Four different people. Four different people. <laughs> How is that possible? <laughs> only in the UFC. Sense. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. Um, or maybe I could see Evinger losing and her fighting Holly Holm next to see who gets the winner of Noon Shevchenko. Yeah, that would make more sense. Yeah, but we'll see how it goes. Um, Marcin Tybura defeated Andrei Arlovsky by unanimous decision. Damn, Arlovsky, what was that big comeback? Where'd that go? Yeah, that's... God, he's been fighting for a long time and had a lot of knockouts. Fedor versus Arlovsky, Bellator pay-per-view number three. That would be the only fight I wish he would take. (laughs) Yeah, he might stand a chance in that one. Uh, Colby Covington defeats Dong Hyung Kim by unanimous decision. Pretty impressive. I mean, up and comer in Co- Covington uh, beats the sturdy veteran pretty handily. Wrestles him around. I was impressed. Not impressed by his post-fight stuff. I mean, the guy's like a complete idiot. So can't really root for him. But at least in the cage, he's a solid wrestler. Gets the job done. Yeah. Did you watch it? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and uh, Rafael Desanios makes his welterweight debut by defeating Tarek Safadine by decision. Um, not a whole lot to say, but obviously good entry into the division. Beats a tough fighter in Safadine. At least yeah. proves that he's top 15, top 10 area. And uh, get a tougher test next time out. Yeah, I don't know if he's quite big enough for welterweight, but I guess we'll see. This has always been a contention. You think he's small for the weight class, I think he's all right, so... Time yeah. will tell who gets proven right or wrong. Yeah. Unless he just fights Donald Cerrone again, and yeah. <laughs> what is even the point? But all right, last fight card to get to. There was a lot of fight cards in between the pay-per-views. Yeah. Mark Hunt versus Derek Lewis at UFC Fight Night 110 in Australia or New Zealand. Um, New Zealand. Yeah. Mark Hunt defeats Derek Lewis by fourth round knockout. Pretty fun fight. I mean, I love. I think it was better than uh, Silva Hunt. You do? I do. Oh wow, that's crazy! That but amazing. It was an awesome fight. I love Derek Lewis, and obviously Mark Hunt is Mark Hunt, so of course he's going to bring it. But it's just a shame Lewis ran out of gas and basically just had a bad back coming into the fight and got TKO'd in the fourth after giving it his all in the first three yeah, rounds. I mean, it was insane. Guy is so athletic for such a big guy. It's really impressive to watch. But, I mean, what a testament to Mark Hunt. I mean, you look at that dude, and the cardio that he has is just outrageous. Yeah, yeah. It's a good point. I mean, he looked relatively fresh for fourth round, taking damage, throwing a lot of punches, and he's a fat dude. So, yeah, that's impressive. I mean, even as old as he is. to his face. Well, <laughs> of course. I would, uh, yeah, definitely not. Uh, hopefully the first uh, event we get credentials to isn't going to be a Mark Hunt fight because uh, I know he listens. So yeah. I know he's listening an hour and a half into this, <laughs> this MMA podcast. So, but yeah, and after the fight, Derek Lewis retires and has since unretired. So yeah. uh, that was quick, but... Yeah, I think he was just beat down and in a lot of pain. Yeah, he was hurting and obviously very disappointed. 
could have been on the verge of a title shot with the win. So, hmm. oh, maybe, oh, wait, I was going to say we should do Overeem versus Hunt, but that just happened. So, <laughs> that's not a great I don't idea. think he would take the fight. Oh, yeah, good point. And I guess my theory about him just wanting to take as many fights as possible, didn't care if he wins, to get out of his uh, contract was proven wrong. Hey, well, I don't know. I think he just wants to fight people if not test positive. Yeah, so who's that? Is there anybody left? <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, Derek Brunson gets back on a winning track, but defeating Daniel Kelly by first-round knockout. I mean, Daniel Kelly, tough as nails, older guy, but yeah. Derek Brunson just too much for him and overwhelmed him. Pretty predictable. but It's tough to see, especially... I like Daniel Kelly. He's a nice older dude and had that one shining moment when he beat Rashad. And... One shining moment. <laughs> but uh, I don't think this does much for Brunson. No, it's just gets him a win, you know. Yeah. Gets him back on track, I guess. And Luke, I always bring up Luke Thomas because I just listen to his podcast a lot. But this is... Uh, what he talks about, you know, you just got to get people win sometimes just to get their head straight. Just, you know, get some positive momentum going. Yeah. So Dan Hooker knocked out Ross Pearson brutally in the second round. I believe. This was so long ago. I know, right? We were, <laughs> we were going to talk about him uh, on our little McGregor Mayweather uh, thing we did last time out, but we ran out of time. So, yeah. but yeah, it was a brutal knockout, impressive, oh my God. good stuff. That was a flying knee, yeah. Yeah, flying knee oh was uh, really, really good. An awesome yes. last name, though. I love <laughs> Dan Hooker. Yeah, but you do. Yeah. Oh yeah. But uh, <laughs> I don't know. I don't but know yeah, I mean that flying knee hit him with that, and that was insane. And it reminded me. When I UFC 172 came to Baltimore, I don't know who was fighting, but the first fight of the night was two lighter weight class guys, and he hit him with a flying knee like that and knockout was unbelievable. And I can't, I mean, it was, I mean, almost exactly the same. And when he hit him with yeah, that, yeah. watching him on TV, it was just like, is he dead? Like, it yeah, was, it was Charlie Brenneman got knocked out, right? By, uh, yeah, yeah, um, yeah, by the guy from Team Alpha Male, right? I think so. Danny Castillo. Or no, it was the Chris Beal. Yeah, yeah, Chris Beal. I forget who he knocked it. Yeah, that was brutal. Let's test my memory. Was that in April of 2014? That was in April of 2014. All April, right. 20, April 14th, I believe. Nice, nice, nice. All right, and last, Ben Nguyen defeats Tim Elliott by first-round submission very quickly and very impressively, taking out the Ultimate Fighter 24 winner. Yeah, the troublemaker. <laughs> yeah, Ben Nguyen. I mean, Ben Ten. That was uh, that was good. That was good. He's a good fighter. Um, probably <laughs> one fight away from a title shot in this division. So, I mean, yeah, especially beating Tim Elliott like that it really took the fire out of him. Yeah, extinguish that flame pretty quickly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but uh, all right, you want to get into our top five missed opportunities? Yeah, let's do. It. All right, so. Yeah, as far as what we were thinking with this, at least for me, I mean, as always with these top fives, you make of it what you will. Just like with the first one we did tonight, uh, 
I completely was way off the mark, but yeah, we just text each other like, "Hey, let's do this." And then, yeah, I, just... <laughs> I misinterpreted, but it's all good. <laughs> uh, with this one, I was just thinking missed opportunities, as in it could be anything. It could be a fight that we wish they would have made, and they never just got around to it. Opportunity never came, or something that was written down in stone, scheduled to go, and then fell through, or you know anything of that regard. Yeah. So. Kick it off for us. All right. Um, my number five is going to be John Jones versus Outstanding Gustafson 2. Mm, now, yeah. this was at fault of a few parties. I don't know if it was as much as the UFC. It was Alexander Gustafson losing a few fights, John Jones' legal troubles and character problems. <laughs> um, but, I mean, that was by far, I think, John Jones's hardest and best fight. One of the best fights in UFC history. Yeah, definitely like heavyweight history. Um, I was dying to see a number two, and for a while it seemed like we were going to, but... Well, you got your wish in the Justine Kish fight. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, thanks, Felton, we never got this fight. Yeah, true. I mean, and we still might, though. I mean, Gus yeah. is back in... in want to roll again and if Jones wins which we'll talk about coming up they it could happen it could definitely happen yeah. so let's see my number five is just UFC 200 as a whole um, starts off it's going to be this, this huge event Connor versus Nate 2 going to blow the roof off of the pay-per-view record and of course that fight fell through and got pushed back to UFC 202 but in its place, wow, John Jones versus Daniel Cormier, part two. It's finally going to happen. Oh, nope, no. week of the fight, John Jones tests positive for steroids. Night. Well, the night before the weigh-ins. Yeah, that's right, yeah. and uh, At like midnight, they had a press conference. So, yeah, and then I think it switched again, right? It was going to be Lesnar yeah, versus man. Hunt as the main event, and then they switched it to Tate versus Nunes. Yeah, they raised stunk about that, and... Yeah, just the whole the whole event was kind of cursed as far as missed opportunities go. Yeah, yeah, I agree. That's my number four, actually. The whole UFC 200, it was supposed to be the biggest event of all time. Like, UFC 100 was a huge event. And it, was, it had all the makings to be, and then it just fell apart in everybody's face. And not only that, they gave Brock Lesnar the old-fashioned pass on the USADA testing. Yeah, what happens? yeah. Yep. He test positive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, it was still actually a pretty good card, but yeah, definitely not what we were expecting. Yeah, for sure. All right, my number four is kind of an oldie. Um, this is when Jose Aldo was king of the 145-pound division. I don't even think McGregor had made his debut in the UFC, but there was a rumor that... Anthony Pettis was going to drop down and fight Jose Aldo. Um, can't remember if it was when Pettis was champ, before or after. I can't exactly remember the timeline. Should have looked it up. But uh, at the time, Pettis was like my guy, probably one of, if not my favorite fighter at the time. Aldo was right up there. Like, absolutely loved both of them. Still think it would have been an incredible fight just especially at the time with Pettis at Pettis the peak was of his off powers, the Aldo in his absolute peak um, 
I mean, obviously, we know in hindsight that cut to 145 didn't do Pettis any favors, but still, just a fight that I was like, when they said it was going to happen, I was, I think it was going to be for August 2013 or whatever. I know it was in August, scheduled for, and then one of them got hurt, and it just never happened, and it was a bummer. Yeah, yeah, that would have been an awesome fight. Hey, maybe we can get it now at 155 pounds. That's very true. I don't yeah. I think that actually would be a pretty good fight. Yeah, no doubt. Makes sense. sense. Um, But my number three is going to be Cyborg and Ronda Rousey. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. um, I mean, I still think Cyborg will destroy Ronda Rousey, especially what we know in hindsight. And speaking of hindsight, I mean, Ronda Rousey's been demolished twice in a row, so might as well have made it more money than those fights. Yeah. With him fight Cyborg. I mean, that was all everybody would talk about back then. Yeah, no, that's a great choice. Um, yeah, man, that was that would have been so big, especially with Ronda. I mean, at the time they could have made it. It would have been in place of the home fight, or maybe after the home fight. Like, yeah, man, that thing, <laughs> that would have been ridiculous. So awesome choice. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think they did good numbers on. I think they did all right numbers on the Nunes. Rousey fight just because of their comeback. And the Australia fight with home was like the big arena and all that. Yeah. Broke the attendance record, but I think the Cyborg Rousey fight would have done blockbuster numbers probably. Yeah, and it would have catapulted both of them. Like it wouldn't, yeah, it would have been great for everyone involved. UFC, well, maybe not for Ronda's face, but. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, my number three is kind of two different instances. But it's it's John Jones related. He's he's on this a lot. Like he, you had him with Gustafson. I already had him with that the first attempt at a uh, DC rematch. And yeah. I got two more here. First of all, and this is when Jones was the man before all the real bad stuff started happening. He's supposed to fight Dan Henderson, like your boy. Yeah. That versus at my at the time my boy John Jones. Uh, that was like the fight everyone wanted to see. Fell through. Henderson lost like a close split decision to Leota Machida after that and just never got there. Uh, it's a shame that never happened. And also, they had, I believe it was for UFC 187, scheduled John Jones versus Anthony Rumble Johnson, which that's the fight I've always been wanting to see, just to see if Jones could handle that one shot power or if he would even give him a chance to initiate it but obviously now Johnson at least for the time being is retired so doesn't look like that's going to happen it's just a shame I mean John Jones really has done everything he could do to prove that he's one of the best of all time but just a couple of these fights that would have just added to his legacy before he John Jones ran through a red light and hit a pregnant woman to cancel that fight no excuse. No. <laughs> and then ran from the scene of the crime and head from the law for two days. Total missed opportunity to stop at that red light. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's good. Good picks. Um, <laughs> Your number and two. John Jones wouldn't fight Chael Sonnen on short night on two weeks notice or whatever it was. Yeah, then he eventually fights him, breaks his foot or toe, and. And takes care of them. Demolishes them, yeah. But uh, my number two is the super fights of super fight that never happened. Anderson Silva versus George St. Pierre. In both their primes, yep. 
Yeah, we're with champions. There was a lot of talk of it, and the UFC was just not about it back then. They would not put their champions at risk, or George needed time to put muscle on. It was one thing after the other, and it just never materialized. I thought maybe in their later stages, like this comeback fight for GSP with Anderson and what he's doing these days, I thought they would have might have put it together. Who knows? Maybe they might still, but it's not what it would have been back then. Exactly, and that's why it's my number one. Uh, it's if just they were five years too late. If the UFC was what it is today, back then, it would have happened. It would have probably happened twice or three times by now. Like they probably would have had a trilogy. But yeah, it just is a shame that they really weren't into that sort of thing back then in their prime. Yeah. Like you said, maybe we can still get it at some point, but it's just not going to have the same effect. Uh-oh. Still be big, but. It could have yeah. been like this huge combat sports event. So, yeah, that's why it was my number one. But my number two was just getting Fedor in the UFC at any point in his career. Like, yeah. guy was he's probably, he still is the best heavyweight of all time. Without this recent streak, you could probably consider him the best, the GOAT, just the greatest of all time in general. The way he demolished, yeah. ran through pride, but he just, he never got that shot in the UFC or he just refused to sign. Like, missed opportunity to have Fedor versus Brock Lesnar or yeah, Fedor. Yeah, that's what Fedor, Brock Lesnar, Dallas Stadium. Yeah. Or Fedor versus Randy Couture. Just, Fedor should have been in the UFC at some point. For sure, yeah. Yeah, that's why, I mean, I was always big on Fedor. I mean, I think me and you watched him lose to Verdun live. Yeah, it was crazy. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that was a huge... I mean, if him versus Brock Lesnar when Lesnar was hot in his first run at Dallas Stadium. The stadium was brand new. I mean, Dana White didn't even talk about that for years later. He was probably embarrassed that he couldn't put it together. But Yeah. I mean, back then, Fedor wanted to do the whole co-promote with the M1, whatever his company was called. And, yep, M1 Global. Yeah, and that just wasn't in the cards. It's never been in the cards, but now I think Conor McGregor's not going to sign another contract, and that's it's going to be in association with McGregor Sports Entertainment. Mark my words. Oh, boy. <laughs> Things are going to get interesting. Things are going to get interesting. But uh, any honorable mentions? Um, I mean, not really. It's, I think All right, you I... could throw any drug test failure in there or all kinds. I mean... A lot of things. I got two in particular. I got the one from March that just fell through. Khabib versus Tony Ferguson. Yeah. was so looking forward to that fight. And uh, really hope they can make it happen at some point. But that was super disappointing. And UFC 196, Conor McGregor versus RDA. I mean, I think in hindsight, I think Conor McGregor would have been the first two-time simultaneous champ a little bit sooner than he actually was because... I think he would have beat RDA. At the time, I wasn't so sure, but either way, I mean, it would, obviously I think the Nate fight ended up being bigger, so it's, that's why I didn't make my list. But that's way bigger, yeah. Yeah, but still, I think it would have been huge, champion versus champion. It, it, it all would have definitely been better for Conor McGregor's legacy, that's yeah. for sure. I mean, it all worked out actually better for everyone in the end, but it still I mean, just picture this that was a missed opportunity. RDA doesn't break his arm or hand, whatever he did. That fight goes on, he wins it. The Nate Diaz fight is never even a thought. 
Connor probably would have never lost, never even been close to losing. Maybe. I mean, he's never had any fight other than the Nate Diaz fights that have been even kind of competitive. I think the Nate Diaz loss is the best thing that ever happened to Conor McGregor. Well, about an hour before we started this podcast, me and my dad rewatched uh, Conor Nate Diaz too. That fight is way closer than it's a close fight. Yeah, it's super close. It's all again one of the greatest fights in UFC history, in my opinion. And whole, I mean, I, I just what I mean by his loss to Nate is the best thing that ever happened to him is because. It gave him a redemption arc, and it gave him a chance to prove to himself and to everyone that he can fight back from adversity like he proved in the rematch. And then also, if he didn't lose to Nate the first time and get the redemption, he wouldn't have got the shot against Eddie Alvarez in Madison Square Garden to become the you know the first. It was just like a domino effect. He wouldn't yeah. have got the Mayweather fight. Like I think 202 is the biggest pay-per-view of all time, yeah. Yeah, for sure. So that's just crazy. I mean, it's just crazy when Nate Diaz beat Michael Johnson and they started, he was like, I'll fight Connor. I was like, yeah, yeah get real. Yeah, you're, happened, you're way down everything. the line, boy. Yeah. It's like, uh, yeah, it's crazy. Missed opportunity turned into incredible opportunity. So Yeah, yep. for sure. All right, let's get on to a little bit more news. We touched on a lot of it throughout the episode, but there's a couple other things. We've mentioned yeah, I want to start with. Uh, Go ahead. Well, Ariel Hawani was with. He was going to be, uh, I guess, a media member for Showtime Sports for this whole thing. And according to him, uh, the UFC specifically has Showtime to remove him. I didn't find out till he got to LA, I believe. Yeah, I think what it was was he supposed to have the Brandon Schaub uh, spot. And I don't know. Yeah, I, I wish he would have, but <laughs> yeah. But yeah, uh, I mean, that's just so dirty. I just he still was credentialed, and he still was there. For yeah, it's credentialed for MMA fighting. I mean, yeah. But that's a huge opportunity. I mean, like you said, that was a dream opportunity. It's just so petty, and I it's don't insane. know what the UFC thinks they're getting at because, like, I again, I hate to do it, but like Luke Thomas said, all they're doing is making his star bigger every time they do this stuff. Yeah. You know? I mean, every time Ariel Hawani stands up at a press conference, something gets a huge cheer. I mean, they made him like, I don't, they make him like the hero, and they're yeah. the anti Yeah. The only reason I keep prefacing these things with, as so-and-so said, is just because I don't want it to seem like I'm trying to say it's an original thought of my own, so I want to yeah, give for credit sure. where it's credit's due, but... I listen to a lot of uh, podcasts, so... Yeah, and I, I listen to... I'm a, MMA fighting is definitely my main source of what I indulge in, and I love Ariel Hawani, I love Luke Thomas and Mark Ramondi and their team there. And yeah, they got a really good score. It's by far the most well-put-together MMA site or news association. I like Junkie. I, I like Junkie, too, but... I, yeah, but I just the way that They've treated Ariel Hawani for the past year or two. The whole pulled him off Fox the way they did, banning him from that event. I mean, it worked out in his favor in the end, but it still can't feel good. Like, that's got to suck. <laughs> yeah, it does. Yeah. He doesn't really, he does not deserve it. He's never done anything to sour or all he does is speak the truth. And, you know what I mean? It's not like he starts shit. I mean, he does ask some questions that could. 
be like you take your pick into the scab or something, but I mean, just it's, it's not like he's starting drama. It's a fact of what he's asking. You know what I mean? He's doing his job. He's a journalist. Yeah. I mean, the only questionable thing was that the UFC was the ones actually paying him, but I mean, that's uh, it's old news. Well, he says that so. he like, you know, he was like, I, I was working for Fox, but the money came from the UFC. I didn't feel right about that. Like, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's. I feel like we talked about it when the whole first thing broke out, but it's just more of the same here. I just couldn't believe that when I read that tweet. Like, I was on Showtime Sports and showed up here and find out 10 minutes before that, nope, I'm pulled because the UFC asked me to be. Yeah, it's crazy. I thought it was like Lorenzo hated him, and that's why all that shit happened before, but apparently there's... Like Dana talks to him, they when he's interviewed him and asked him questions on this world tour. It's just weird. It's real weird. Yeah. Well, let's move on to Gegard Musasi signing with Bellator. We hinted around it a few times, but yeah, huge signing. A lot of people say this is even a better signing than a Rory McDonald. I, I don't know if I'd go the, quite that far, I but disagree with that. He's but. coming off a five fight win streak. I mean, what do you think is the reasoning here? Well, I think the reasoning is, I mean, Gigi Mersasi has been around for a long time. A lot of fights. Great fighter. And I think he got sick of the whole waiting around in the middleweight division in the UFC. And they probably paid him a good chunk of money. And he's just going to get a payday, maybe get a title fight. But I think, I mean, you saw, like, like his contract expired. And they interviewed him, and he said, "No, I want to. I want to be fighting here." But then that whole Bisping GSP shit happened, and you got Rockhold, you got Romero, you got you know the I, the Whitaker. I don't know if that fight was scheduled. I guess he did just sign, but they probably been negotiating for a while. So I think he went out and tested the market, and was probably surprised by what he found, and who knows how many fights he has left. So he's just trying to cash in on it. That's what I think the reason is. Yeah. For Bellator, I mean, they need a middleweight division. It's pretty clear what their reasons are. Oh, yeah, no doubt. I mean, they'll try to sign anyone they can that at least has some name recognition or some real talent. I think I heard Musasi say that the UFC was not far off from the offer that he ultimately signed Bellator with, but what their offer was, like, he had to win the belt in order to really make money. Yeah. He just said, I've been doing this too long to have to, and I've, I think, what, 11 out of his 13 UFC fights have either been a main event or a co-main event. Like, he doesn't feel, and rightfully so, that that should be, he should be getting that kind of contract. Yeah, for sure. And as somebody asked Dana White about it on the world tour, and he's like, well, I think it's great for, great move for Rousasi. I'm happy for him. <laughs> yeah. Dana White might just say that. But. Yeah. I also wonder, though, if... I mean, Musasi, he, again, he's got a ton of fights. Yeah, he's on a five-fight win streak, but it's not like, I don't know. What was his last win? Was the Weidman, or he pretty much beat Weidman, right? Damn, I, mean, I don't know. But he, he lost twice to Jacare. He lost to Machida. I think maybe they thought, you know, he's never going to break through, so let's not break the bank on him, or... You know, um, shit. He's not all that entertaining. I mean, of late, he has been a little bit more, but he can tend to be pretty boring. Yeah, he's definitely calculated. And yeah. I don't know. I just, 
definitely, like you said, if if they were going to cut him a deal that he had to win the belt to make his money, but then the whole division's tied up, like, it could be another year and a half before he even gets a title shot. And there's also the thing of maybe they're letting some of these guys go on purpose to prove that they're not a monopoly or whatever. Is that even still a thing? I don't know. But, I mean, it just – some of these are kind of weird. So, But, but yeah, I mean, I agree. Like, when that whole lawsuit thing's happened, a lot of things changed pretty quick. <laughs> yeah, that's and true. And have sense. Uh, also, Frank Mir was released upon request. Did you see well, that? He's still on steroids, especially. <laughs> yeah, he is. He could go to Risen or something and just fight in Russia for the rest of his career, or he could wait it out, wait it out, sign with Bellator, fight Fedor. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, they also announced that Frankie Edgar will get the next title shot against Max Holloway, which no brainer. But it was between him and Cub Swanson. I'm glad they get, went with Frankie, and that's a fight I'm really looking forward to. Oh, for sure. I mean. Holloway is a top, top fighter. It's hard not to like him. He's a great guy. He's an amazing fighter. I think he's it's, it's got pretty good takedown defense, right? Yeah, really good. Yeah, so this will be an interesting fight. I mean, of course, Frank Yeager's got awesome boxing and head movement and movement altogether, but I'm a huge Frank Yeager fan. I think we both are. I, I'm, definitely, I, I'm, I'm definitely a Max Holloway fan at this point. It's hard. Yeah, it's impossible not to like the dude. Edgar will put his takedown defense to the test, and yeah, it's a real litmus test for both guys, to be honest. So yeah, I think awesome this will be fight. the if Frankie loses, this is definitely the last title shot he'll get in the UFC. I think unless he drops down to bantamweight. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, I guess that is a real possibility. All right, let's get to UFC 214. I honestly think this is going to be the best card of the year, unless they really do something special. Or unless John Jones fucks it up. Okay, let's not jinx it, but... (laughs) I mean, I think this is the best card since UFC 205 in Madison Square Garden. Yeah. This thing is stacked, and it's almost, like, gotten overly stacked just because of some movement. Yeah, like, incredible card. All right, so main event, obviously, we got John Jones versus Daniel Cormier, part two. Um, I think Cormier said he was offered a fight against Jimmy Manoa, but he said yeah, no. It's got to be John, Jones. Got to be John Jones, and I love that. I mean, I'm not the biggest Daniel Cormier fan, but he is growing on me a little bit of late. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I feel like he's at least leaning into the heel of this fight. Like, yeah. you know, at least promotionally, he's been a little bit better. Still boring to watch. Not not really. It's not super boring to watch fight, but there's just something about his style that kind of is a little off-putting. But yeah, especially. I mean, I never really hated Daniel Cormier until he fought Anderson Silva at 200. I hated that fight. I've hated him because of it. Yeah. But I mean, he's definitely the best 205-pound fighter in the world, next to John James. <laughs> yeah, and that's the thing is. Ring rust going to be a factor? Is getting off it's, of whatever he was on going to be a factor? Like, what do you, what do you think is going to happen here? I don't know. I mean, you saw the John Jones OSP fight. There's, that was definitely not the same John Jones we've seen before. Yeah. Um, I don't know if actually fighting DC is enough fire to keep that from happening. But if it's John Jones of old, I think he he walks with this fight pretty easily. 
Yeah, I have to imagine it's going to be pretty similar to that first fight because I don't think, in fact, I know that Daniel Cormier hasn't gotten any younger. The weight cut, <laughs> weight cut hasn't gotten any easier. Just look at the whole debacle at 210. I yeah. mean, I feel like, I just, I mean, it's it's so anticipated now. I just hope the lead up is good. I hope it's an entertaining fight. I do think John Jones is gonna it's gonna come away on top by decision. He's not gonna be able to finish him, I don't think. Yeah, that promo they cut was pretty awesome though. Yeah, oh yeah, that was actually pretty darn good. Shy away from any John Jones problems or yeah. And I think that's what you gotta do. If you want this to be big, you really gotta let this whole story show itself. For sure. Is and this the first time they've ever had three title fights? No. UFC two oh five I think there might. Have, yeah, they did have. Yeah. I think there might have been another time, but not the first. But it's definitely uh, makes for an exciting night. That's for sure. For sure. Um, I just uh, John Jones. If he wins, what's next? Is it Gustafson? Got to be Gustafson, right? Yeah, I mean, does he have a fight scheduled? Not that I know of. I don't think so either. Yeah. I don't know. I, was he had that one fight against John Jan? Blah blah blah. Blockovich or whatever his name is. And he just beat Glover Teixeira. Oh, yeah, then he beat... Oh, yeah, with that nasty, yeah. Yeah, sick uppercuts. Yeah. Um, and I guess if Cormier wins, we'll get a trilogy right away. Yeah, if... Yeah, I would assume so, definitely. Yeah, that would be the money thing to do. Um, all right, next up we got another title fight, welterweight division. <laughs> For such a stacked division... It's kind of weird. It's kind of a weird title fight here. Tyron Woodley defends his belt against Damian Maya. This is the fight that we kind of talked about it after Maya got through Jorge Masvidal, like what we thought our his chances would be against Woodley if he got the fight. Well, here he is. Do you still feel the same way? How do you see this going? Well, I mean, he definitely deserves the fight. There's no two ways about that. But... Oh, for sure. Uh, it's it's all about I think if he can get it to the ground, how the first two round or two goes. I don't. It's tough. I mean, Woodley's no slouch. He's definitely got punching power. You saw that when he beat Robbie Lawler for the title. He had those two fights with Thompson that were back and forth. He's tough as nails. I don't know. I just it. De- I think it depends on if Maya can get it to the ground and control it because he's definitely not going to win it on the feet. Yeah, of course. He never will win any fight on the feet, basically. But uh, my head, my uh, just logical brain part of me wants to say, Woodley is going to just overpower him, control him, maybe use his punching to just knock him off balance before maybe finishing late or winning a decision. But something inside of me is saying, Damian Maya is going to drag him down, and submit him. I would love that. I mean, that that's the outcome I'm hoping for. I have a feeling that Woodley's going to catch him with, like, a shot behind the ear. Yeah. I it's like a Cheap coin GKM. flip. It's weird because I think it's a coin flip, but at the same time, I wouldn't be shocked if Woodley just demolishes him, and I wouldn't be shocked if Maya just, you know, gets on his back and chokes him out. It's, like, super close, but at the same time, Either one of them, I feel like, could just walk away with it. I'd be super happy to see Maya finally get a title. And GSP's next for either one, so which guy would you rather see GSP fight in his return? 
Definitely Damian Maya. Yeah, Damn. I agree. That would be an awesome fight. Just two she veterans. Has wrestling and everything. I mean, wrestling versus jujitsu. Yeah. yeah, I think it would look a lot like the Damian Maya versus Roy McDonald fight from a few years ago. But yeah, it's just that'd be like uh, I don't know. Just like I don't the know. whole like Woodley Texan GSP. Like I'd be honored to fight you. <laughs> I don't like that. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, I just don't. I don't know. Woodley versus GSP. I, I honestly think we could be another Woodley versus Thompson type boring fight. So, yeah, yeah, that's why I would rather see Maya. So, all right, that third title fight from the top, Cyborg Santos finally gets her featherweight championship title shot against. Tanya Evinger, who finally gets to come over from Invicta, like the yeah. last remnant of that Invicta Bantamweight division, comes over, moves up 245 pounds to fight Cyborg. Um, yeah, obviously we have a lot of uh, stuff with Tanya Evinger. With, you know, after her first episode, she called us out for having a, her too low in our Bantamweight rankings, <laughs> which was hilarious. And Justified, yeah, because we hadn't seen her fight really, which yeah. bad on us. But yeah, I'm really happy to see her come over here, get a shot. She, jumped, in the she got a title back, didn't she? Yeah, she did. She did, yeah. and uh, she was set to either defend or fight for the vacant featherweight title or something in Invicta before getting this. And I think she's tough as nails. I think she's going to give it. I think she's going to give Cyborg a better fight than Megan Anderson was going to, even though Megan Anderson's the better prospect and probably a better draw. I, I just think Tanya, she's going to really be able to help sell this fight better than the young Anderson would have been able to. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's awesome she gets to come fight in a title fight or a huge card like this in the UFC. Hopefully she's getting taken care of. But, I mean, really, she's fighting Cyborg. This is... A tough go. Yeah. <laughs> to Cy- say the least. Which round is Cyborg going to knock her out in? Uh, late in the second. Yeah, I was actually going to say early in the second, but yeah, same idea. Yeah. All I right. just, I don't know, I just don't think Cyborg's a powerful girl. <laughs> yeah. I don't, yeah. I don't I mean, think Tony's going to be able to stand up to it. Leslie Smith is tough as nails, and she got knocked out pretty easily too, so... Yeah. We'll see. We'll see what I'm definitely interested in seeing it. The cyborg era is about to begin. Um, yeah, she can stay clean or stay weight cut healthy. Or stop slapping bitches at the <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> fan expo or whatever it was. Retreat the fighter retreat. Main event though. Yeah. We were supposed to get this last weekend, but because of Donald Cerrone's blood infection it gets pushed back a couple weeks to UFC 214. Donald Cerrone versus Robbie Lawler. We broke it down on the last episode, or two episodes ago, but I am it's more confident. Yeah, oh my God. Still, this could main event a card, and it's fourth fight down. Like, insane. <laughs> I still think Lawler's going to win, especially after the whole, you know, infection thing. I don't think that's going to help Cowboy at all, but hey, I'd be... I'm, I'll be happy and sad no matter what happens. Yeah, he probably got her from riding a bull or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I think Lawler probably, especially, I mean, he's had a lot of time off. 
a little over a year, right? Yeah, yeah. So, so I think he's going to come in fresh. He's a badass in this era. So I just, I don't know. Cerrone's known to come out slow in like the first round or so, and I think he's just, I think Waller should be too much for him. Yeah, I agree. And the curtain jerker of the pay-per-view, not a bad fight in its own right. It's Jimmy Manoa versus Hotshot Prospect all of a sudden, Vulcan Ozdemir, which there's a reason this fight is on here, right? Yeah, in case John Jones decides to get arrested. In case Daniel Cormier misses weight. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, basically in case. <laughs> Just in case. I'm talking a lot of crap about John Jones. I hope for his sake and our sake that he can keep his nose clean. I agree. And this will be better if... This is a pretty solid fight, actually. I mean, this well, the winner of this fight will be kind of right there with Gustafson. I would put... Gustafson ahead, especially just because of the storyline and all, but you'll have a legit guy that could be there for after that, you know, or at least one fight away. Yeah, uh, I was I not think, very big on the whole Jimmy Manuel title talk, but I just didn't understand it. I mean, I, he points a couple of losers. I just don't think he's title shot ready. No, but if he wins this fight and say, I don't know, say that, uh, they could do Gustafson versus Manoa or Ozdemir, whoever wins. They yeah. have a true contender. I don't know. The timing might not work out, but I, I'm just glad this fight is happening. I, I think Jimmy Manoa was going to knock him out in the second round. Yeah, I think that's probably pretty accurate. All right. Uh, prelim main event. Another awesome fight. Jason Knight, Hick Diaz versus Ricardo Lamas. I mean, Jason Knight coming off that performance against Alex Caceres, right? Or yeah. no, 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 Chaz Skelly? I don't know. Those were his last two fights. I don't know which one came first, chicken or the egg, but either way, the guy is super impressive, super fun to watch. Up-and-coming prospect. I think he's actually stepping in late notice for a Korean zombie. Um, injury replacement. And Ricardo Lamas, top five featherweight fighter, is as legit as it gets. So if he can beat him, I mean, he is... Just placed himself right there, maybe ahead of Yair Rodriguez, even. For sure. I mean, Lamas is definitely tough as can be, and he's always been very close to the top consistently. Even if he loses, he'll bounce back, and this is definitely would be a big, big win for him. So, what do you think? Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say Lamas pulls it out. I'm going with probably, the, probably like a decision. Yeah, that's probably your, you know, Vegas favorite right there. But yeah. I'm going with the underdog. I'm going with the upset. Jason Knight going to pull something off. Something slick. I don't, I don't think he's going to finish him, but I think he's going to do enough to uh, win at least two rounds and impress a lot of people. Yeah, definitely possible. All right, next up is a catchweight fight between Hen and Burrell because uh, they wouldn't let him fight at 135 pounds after his last yeah. little cut-down <laughs> attempt against Aljamain Sterling, who's kind of like, Dude, I'm a bantamweight. Why am I being forced to fight at 140? It's kind of a sucky situation for him, but whatever. I mean, technically, you could still count it as a bantamweight fight, you know. Is this the last breath of Henry Burrell? Well, he's coming off a win, I believe, but it is over. <laughs> Philippe Nover. So this is a tough fight. I mean, either one of these guys, they've kind of had a couple uh, tough runs of late. Sterling signed that. Uh, contract extension. 
after he was a free agent and lost two in a row after that. And obviously Burrell with the troubles against Dillashaw and then losing to Jeremy Stevens. So they both desperately need a win. I'm not sure. I'm going to go with Sterling just because I feel like Burrell might just be a shell of his former self. Yeah, I mean, I agree with that. However, I'm going to go with Burrell, even though I just said this is the last breath. But <laughs> I'm going to go with him. He's a solid fighter. I mean, he was Jose Aldo, basically, of a different weight class. But True. I mean, how many times has UFC ever moved to weight, like a, a fight to a catch weight so far in advance? Like, yeah, why, did, very often. why didn't they just make it a featherweight fight? You know? Or pull him. Or move, I mean, I guess they want the fight to happen, but I, don't, I can't remember another time a month out, or I think it was about a month out when they did it, moving into a catchweight bout. I mean, that's a little weird. Yeah, it is. But the last fight I'd like to talk about at UFC 214, which a uh, friend of the show, Alex Kidwell, is going to. Lucky son of a bitch. Uh, <laughs> Brian Ortega, another featherweight prospect, coming back to fight Renato Moicano, who just defeated Jeremy Stevens on, uh, I think, the Fox 23 or Fox 24 card. Pretty impressive. Uh, just another really solid fight of featherweight prospects. For sure, I like Brian Ortega. I think he's going to pull off the triangle. Yeah, I do think he's probably going to submit him at some point. Uh, featherweight division, again, super stacked, like, with young talent. Oh, yeah. But I'm really interested to see what happens there. All right, let's talk about UFC on Fox 25, which comes up next weekend. Not the best UFC on Fox card there is, but the main event is certainly interesting. It's Kelvin Gastelum against Chris Weidman. Kelvin Gastelum coming off of getting pulled from his fight against Anderson Silva after testing positive for marijuana <laughs> against Vitor Belfort and Chris Weidman coming off the controversy controversy I can't speak <laughs> sometimes <laughs> controversy against Gegard Mousasi and obviously the losses to Luke Rockhold and Yoel Romero before that so both guys really want to win Chris Weidman especially I mean if he loses this fight I heard his he leaves town. For real? I, I don't think he leaves town, but I heard uh, somebody, I mean, so I don't know how credit they put on Twitter that if Chris Weidman loses this fight, he's getting cut. I don't buy it. <laughs> I, think I don't necessarily buy it either, and I really hope it's not true, but I think he wins this fight, definitely, but I don't even like thinking about that. The UFC is not letting the guy who beat Anderson Silva twice to end his, you know, winning streak and Imagine that, all that. Yeah, yeah. And I think if he loses, he just goes up to light heavyweight where it's a really thin division, gets a couple easy wins, and then it gets a title shot. But yeah. as far as this fight goes, I think Wyman's a little too big for Gastelum. I think it's going to be a close competitive fight. I think it's going to be a good fight. I think Gastelum's going to scare you, the Weidman fanboy, at times. <laughs> but um, I do. I think Weidman, his size is going to eventually uh, carry the day. And I know Tim Kennedy thought the same thing, but Chris Weidman is no Tim Kennedy. Definitely not. So, all right. Uh, we also have Dennis Bermudez versus Darren Elkins. Pretty weak co-main event on a Fox card, but uh, I'll go Benavides by decision. 
I'm just gonna go against you and say uh, Elkins by um, TK. What? He's never knocked anyone out in his life. <laughs> <laughs> uh, next, this is crazy. Patrick Cummins versus John Volante is on a main card of a Fox card. Eesh. Chris Evans, buddy. Yeah, I guess that's why, and I guess that's what happens when you load up UFC 214 the way they did. But um, I'll say John Volante by knockout. Yeah, I agree. I hate Patrick Cummings. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of him either. Uh, the other second best fight of the night, Thomas Almeida fights Jimmy Rivera. Both bantamweight prospects with a lot to live up to. Rivera hasn't fought since he beat Uriah Faber, I believe. And Thomas Almeida lost to Cody Garbrandt, but as we learned, that's not the end of the world. Came back and won a fight after that. Um, I'm not sure who to pick here. I think, I think Almeida, hands down. Really? I'm leaning towards Almeida. I just think he's the quicker, better athlete, uh, better overall game. But Rivera is tough. Yeah, for sure. But uh, I think Almeida's. I just think he's the better fighter. Yeah, I tend to agree. All right, last fight to preview, or a couple fights here. We got all, UFC Fight Night 113 tomorrow night. It's. A terrible card, but talk about the top two fights, I guess. Uh, main event is Gunnar Nelson versus Santiago Ponzinibbio. If you would have told me in January that Santiago Ponzinibbio is going to be in a main event of, an, of a UFC fight card, I would have, like, said, who is that? But, uh, what was his name? Santiago Ponzinibbio. No, I was just kidding. <laughs> I know, but I wanted to say it again. Uh, I think Gunnar Nelson is just going to take care of business. Um, God, I so. Choke him out, second, third round. I mean, the yeah. guy is super talented, super low-key. Um, I know he wants. He said this week he wants to try to get revenge against Damian Maya, but I don't know if that's going to happen anytime soon. But he's a good enough fighter to, to get the job done here, I believe. Get revenge? He got dominated. I know. It's not like it was a fluke or anything. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I think Gunnar Nelson handily wins this fight. He's a great fighter, but, I mean, they didn't even look like they were in the same weight class when he fought Maya. But, uh, yeah, I think he handily wins this fight by probably late submission round two. Late submission round two. <laughs> late round two. Okay, there you go. Uh, co-main event, Joanne Calderwood, Calderwood fights Cynthia Calvillo, who has just come out of nowhere to kind of make a name for herself. Two main uh, main card spots this year already. Um, uh, I can't remember who she beat, but it was impressive. Pearl Gonzalez was one, and someone else was the other. But Joanne Cotterwood, bit of a step up, and this will be a bit of a test to see if if you know these two submission wins at a team alpha male if they're just kind of against weak competition, or if she maybe is another prospect to add to clearly the best women's division. Yeah, I like Calderwood a lot. She's, uh, she's a sweet girl. A nice uh, Scottish accent. Yeah, I like the accent. Yeah. Plus, she's, just, she's very nice. And she kind of got like screwed over by the UFC, and then they like made it right, I guess. But um, Yeah, I, I, I hope she wins. I don't know much about the other girl. But. I think Calderwood is... Really overrated when it comes. Yeah, to, yeah I, 
And maybe it's the weight class. Maybe 125 would be better for her. I'm not sure, but I don't know. I feel like she was a high seed in that Ultimate Fighter season, and then she got clowned by Rose, which obviously nothing to be that ashamed of. But I just feel like she's been kind of lackluster, even in the couple wins she's had since then. And I don't know. Maybe I'm overestimating Calvillo's skills, but I just see her kind of pulling the same thing Rose did to her with like a fancy submission first, second round. Yeah, I think Calder would even address that and said she has some like personal issues going on. But uh, yeah, uh, I, like I said, I always liked her. I don't know. I've seen her fights for sure, but I don't know much about the other girl. And I'm a fan of Calderwood. I'm definitely going to pull for her in this fight. And I think she wins. All right. Well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. We stayed under two and a half hours. So uh, <laughs> that was a lot of fun. I'm glad we hadn't uh, talked fights in a while. We, I mean, obviously, we talked to McGregor Mayweather a little bit last time yeah. out. But it's good to get back to the normal format and... Really looking forward to these fights coming up, especially UFC 214. So we'll be back in your ears in about a couple weeks following that Big event. things coming. Hell yeah, son. You can follow me on Twitter at BrooksFam. I'm on Twitter at The Oil Report. The podcast is on Twitter at Red Belt Report. Please subscribe, rate, review us on iTunes. You know, help us out. Yeah, and, lots uh, of fights. Absolutely. Until then, talk to you. See you. You will not win cause I will not lose Can't be touched